Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Q&A Quest. I had to Lucky look... Lucky number 13. I, had, I actually had to look at the show notes, I'm going to be honest. These these kids are destroying my memory. But yes! Yeah. Yes, hello, and welcome to episode 13. I am Michael Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me, as always, uh, my card game-hating co-host... Yeah, it's David McBurney. I keep almost eating my own hair. <laughs> and with us this episode, we've got... Uh, it's, yes, uh, Cazada Ramos, a.k.a. Strawberry Eggs. Yes, welcome. Two great tastes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not together, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go so far as to claim they go great together, but I mean... Individually, they're awesome. True, true. Uh, so it's good to have you on, because you actually, way back in the mailbag slash Q&A days, provided lots of great, great uh, letters, and you've given us some good questions for Q&A quests as well, so yeah, glad to have you on. And I'm, and I'm glad to, to be on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, we've been trying to do more guests, but unfortunately, uh, with the second baby on the way, scheduling was a bit, <laughs> like... All uh, over the place. If you want to know, there yeah. was briefly a period where we thought we'd try to build up a backlog. That didn't work out. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't work out. Partially because you just kept posting them the second they were finished. It's, it's true. <laughs> I, you know? You seem to kind of forget what the point of recording <laughs> as many in rapid succession as we could was. Uh, well, you know... Oh well. When you're waiting for <laughs> when we were waiting for a baby, you surprisingly have a lot of uh, downtime where you want to be like doing something. So I was editing. Uh, audio <laughs> editing is very simple. Yes. All right. So at least for a production like this. <laughs> so we've got a uh, an episode chock full of low whoops questions uh, and a few from other people as well. Um, but it's it's interesting to note that Low Whoops is now an RP Gamer staff member, so these are suddenly all staff questions, which is cool. Uh, yes. But yeah. All right. I need new blood. The first one, which uh, Cassandra picked out, is uh, what would an RPG pen by the RP Gamer staff be like? And this, I think, is a very interesting question. Um. I think you had some ideas on this, Cassandra. Well, I mean, other than just the start of it's probably going to be a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, the clo- I've done something pretty similar a few years ago on the forums. Uh, forum member Your Mungan, uh, really big into RPG music and music as a whole, wanted to create a like wanted to get a bunch of other you know amateur composers to make a a soundtrack for a made up non existent RPG. So we asked a bunch of other formers to kind of just throw ideas in the thread. Like, here's an idea for a character, here's an idea for an area, here's an idea for a boss, all that sort of fun stuff. We just kind of kept, you know, posting this, posting that. I had a few characters and other story scenarios. And then he eventually kind of tried to join them together into something that actually looked more or less cohesive. So I'm guessing we could do a similar thing. <laughs> Although, like, who do we choose to be the final person to say, okay, fine, here's how we're going to streamline it, because... 
That's, it's that's gonna a be a question. It'll be a very different game depending on who that person is. You should choose me. That's what you should do. Oh dear. <laughs> we shouldn't choose wheels because then we'll have a card game battle system. Oh, come on. Oh, I'm gonna get into that later because Bot and Kaitos. <laughs> <laughs> I choose to believe I'm the reason there's no Bot and Kaitos three. Uh, darn you. <laughs> uh. I, I, honestly, I think that's the only way the RPG Gamer staff could actually, like, make a complete RPG, because we just have so many different opinions on staff. I don't think, uh, I, I don't yeah. think people often realize this, because we don't do as many, like, second opinion reviews as we might have used to. Uh, but our, our opinions are, like, all over the place. You know? that's, that's kind of the like nature of any group project though like someone's going to have to have their ideas squashed or else none of them are going to fit together sure and you know i i think we the staff could actually put together something pretty decent if we did something like that uh i, be, I guess basically keep all our good ideas and throw out all the crazy ones um, but... And hope not too much of a fight breaks out over what is considered good and what is considered oh, not. Oh <laughs> yes. You know that makes me wonder. I wonder. I wonder if there is like any game that the staff would unanimously agree is like awesome. Because I don't know that maybe maybe one of the personas, but I think I think I've seen people disagreeing about which of Persona Three and Four is better. better so one. yeah. Final Fantasy Six. I still have yet to find anybody that dislikes that game. Um, I swear there was somebody, but I I, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, there is. I'd, I'd probably sooner vote for Chrono Trigger, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you actually that's finally... another one too. Yes, I mean I mean I think I, I know Anna doesn't think it's like the be all end all RPGs, and I also think you know there are games better than Chrono Trigger. Don't shoot me. It's okay. No, no. We oh, accept that's... diverse diverse opinions as long as they're not bashing Kawazu games. I can't, I can't actually murder you on cast, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it's the the big issue is that you know I don't actually have some sort of sentient nano drone to send. So, <laughs> oh, that's a relief. Uh, you know, Dave actually just played uh, Final Fantasy VI re all the way through recently, so. Yeah, I, like, that was on one of those things where, like, I had played it, like, fifth, like, I made my last solid attempt about ten years ago, and my longest attempt fifteen years ago, and had never actually bothered to finish until then. <laughs> until recently? Uh, yeah, until, like, last month. <laughs> well, better late than never, as they say. Yeah, I suppose. This got yeah. really far afield yeah. from the question. So, <laughs> you know, bringing, dragging this back to the actual question at hand is, is what would an RPG pen by the RPG gamer staff be like? I think there's some elements that uh, would get at least, like, general consensus. Um, so I'm guessing we'd probably go to, like, maybe like a retro 16-bit style. I think that'd probably get be the easiest to get, like, general agreement. Right. That that or basically like a Persona clone, but probably one of those two. 
Um, and then from there, uh, you know, I don't know. There'd probably be some people that prefer a less character-driven game where you build your own party, and some would prefer more character-driven. Oh my God! Yeah, I, right. That there's yeah. gonna be a big split. But maybe we can agree <laughs> that I think I think we all like uh, turn-based in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So probably a turn-based battle. Turn-based. Very for strate sure. you know, strategic, not just you know simple. Oh my God! I've got a I've got a great idea. Okay. Do you? <laughs> we make this RPG a, a, a split like uh, the Etrian Odyssey Untold games. Oh. So, so you'll have the full-on the full story mode with pre-made characters and personalities and stuff, and the less story-based mode where you build your own party. Eh, that could work. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that would work in like exactly. a full-on deep 16-bit style RPG, but we could make it work. This is all hypothetical anyway. Well, yeah. Um, I think it'd have to have a job system. I think uh, people would like that. Uh, and music? Um, it's... Hmm. Hmm. Just saying good music would be kind of... Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you like... know, quality music. <laughs> yeah, good music. Just like, who do, like, who do you get to compose right uh, you know, I don't want to go with Uematsu. That seems like the easy way out. So, I don't know. That's That would be a tough call. Well, as long as it's not Motoi Sakuraba. <laughs> Just let uh, Shoji Meguro vomit 15 different styles on the soundtrack. Right, there you go. There you go, then. A, a track for each staff member. There you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> also, Sakuraba can do good things when he cares. He just doesn't seem to care that often anymore. Well, I'm... again, Botan Kaitos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, have you seen his workload? Did... Yeah, he does <laughs> like five games a year. It's crazy. exactly like it's like sure. I'm, you know, other composers. You know, Yokoshima Mora would probably be. I find her more boring if she did like you know, a third of of every game soundtrack. Per year. Yeah. I was like weirded out when I got to the end of Dark Souls, and it's like, oh man, this is a really nice piano piece. Who wrote this? Sakuraba again? <laughs> and he, you know, I also, I, one thing that surprised me is that he actually did like some of the, like, uh, I think piano and organ work for Bravely Default. I, I what? could have sworn some of that sounded like he didn't compose it, but he actually, you know, played the instruments. Wow. I, I, I should have realized some of that sounded vaguely familiar. That's crazy. It's a modern game. Sawano will find its way on there as well. <laughs> so it would be, it'd be an eclectic soundtrack, I think, mm -hmm. is what the answer would be. Um, I think Just we bring in a bunch of punk bands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, throw a Green Day track in there. I'd approve of that. Of course, you'd do that. <laughs> Maybe some ska. Yes, there we go. Yeah. I might be a monster. Let's move, let's okay. move on from this terrifying soundtrack hot <laughs> Okay. Uh, I, I think this RPG would have to have difficulty selection. Cause oh, I, yeah. I definitely because, know. Because you need something to set it on too hard so that you can like complain it's, that you can't beat anything. It's true. <laughs> well, yeah. Somebody, yeah, somebody on staff's going to, you know, Glenn's going to complain it's too easy. Mac's going to complain it's too hard. Yeah. Just, you know, it I'm has going to have to yell at wheels because he's going to set it one difficulty too high for him to comfortably <laughs> get through. Come on, there's only, that's only happened to me in a few games. I beat Persona 3 on hard. To, that's only happened to you every single time you've been given access to a difficulty slider. I beat Persona 3 on hard. It only took me, like, you know, 
maybe five Two hours minutes? of grinding or so to finally beat the last boss. Um, <laughs> Long. <laughs> I also beat Persona 4 on hard. Yeah, I'm. I never mind. No, we're not going in. We're not rehashing this <laughs> argument that we have like every time you find difficulty. Okay. Like. Okay. <laughs> so the, I think we'd have to have lots of adjustable difficulty options, like maybe in the way of uh, bravely default, like random encounter adjustment. Uh, Slam in some of the difficulty options from Persona 4 Golden on New Game Plus yeah, as there well. There you go. Mm-hmm. Options are good. We all like options. Give me 800 different sliders to yeah. control every aspect. There of you go. To, to sum it up, the RP Gamer Staff RPG would be a 16-bit style RPG that's basically two different games with many adjustable difficulties. This 800-headed chimera. <laughs> and the musical soundtrack that is all over the map and probably doesn't fit the game at all. It is also the buggiest thing imaginable. <laughs> constantly reference to things that don't exist because someone else decided to make something unrelated. I'd still play it. It is the equivalent of if every single member of the Ocarina of Time team had done what the guy who made the fishing sequence did. <laughs> just programmed in whatever the hell they happened to like. Oh. At least it'll be fun for a little while. Yeah. It would be it would be a surreal, interesting hodgepodge. <laughs> Alright, I think I'm gonna move us on to our next question. It's important before things descend too far. Yeah. So you said, y'all, your white flags are up and that you've had enough And you're tired of collecting dust to say Everything always looks the same when you need your brand new face To match your brand new place You say all your distress calls have gone out And your ship is going down Well, I say it to myself all the time Stop living half a life and stop feeling like I'm half alive I can't Alright, so... Let's move right on to our next question, which is, what are your top three best soundtracks for portable RPGs? And for this one, we are specifically only looking at soundtracks that originated on portable. We don't want... Uh... So that's why we won't be talking about Xenoblade 3D. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. But, you know, if we don't make this limitation, then we're the question is basically the three best soundtracks in RPGs. So... That's not as interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, anybody have any picks already on yep. their minds? Two right off the bat. One is a little shakier. Bravely default and the world ends with you. Just hands oh, down. Man, I and love and bloody tastic soundtracks. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, Two very different soundtracks <laughs> from each other, but just oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, the the world that ends with you soundtrack is just it fits fits that game like oh, a oh, glove. Yeah. Like, like, that's, like, the only, like, the second RPG I've come across so far where it just fits the world so well. Yeah. The other being um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, but that's being discluded already, obviously. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that, the, the style, that soundtrack fits fits the game perfectly. It's got lots of interesting tunes, and uh, I bought, actually bought that soundtrack from iTunes. It's probably still on there, so... Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I have a, a Japanese, like an import Japanese copy and bought some of the, like um, the ones that are only in the uh, U.S. version off of iTunes. Excellent. Uh... The third one is, I'm actually not entirely sure, maybe either 
maybe one of the newer Pokemon releases, Black, White, or X and Y. Really good. Like those are like I'm I'm amazed at how good those soundtracks are, considering I've never really cared too much for Pokemon music in the previous ones. Yeah, I, I actually noticed X theme was really good, uh, and there's I think there's some tracks on it in the uh, Smash Brothers soundtrack that uh, updated very nicely. So oh yeah, oh, Route Ten. Route yes, 10 yes, beautiful. And it's and it was remixed by uh, Yoko Shimomura. It's like I never asked for her to do that, but it's just like thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you for remixing that. It's amazing. Uh you know, I'm trying to think. It's tough. Yeah, this is tough. And, you know, the f a few that I'm thinking of are, like, uh, series entries on Portable. They kind yeah, of remix like... tracks, which doesn't seem right to pick. Like, I'm I'm staring at my pers Persona Q box, and uh, obviously... Uh, my brain went straight to, like, Shimamura and went to Dream Drop Distance, which has a rather nice soundtrack. Ah, uh, yes. But half of it's uh, stuff from Old Kingdom Hearts games, Yeah. So. And I like I want to say Persona Q because there are some really awesome original compositions on that, but still they're kind of drawing from from the actual console games. <laughs> exactly, so it doesn't really feel right. Um, You're just gonna say Final Fantasy Legend Two or something. I actually was, yes. I was gonna go right to Final Fantasy Legend Two, um, which obviously is a bit limited by the original Game Boy's wonderful sound chip. Uh, but still has some really cool and memorable tunes on it. Um, that uh, they did a great job uh, modernizing for the uh, remake on DS. So uh, that would definitely be one of my first picks. And I'm still kind of struggling on what some of the others might be. Yeah, like you get into those like favorite absolutely have to be on the list, and then you have to start contemplating every other thing. Uh, <laughs> Radiant Historia had a really nice soundtrack. Oh, yes, so. yeah. Was, yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, who did that soundtrack? I know... Um... It was Yoko Shimomura. Yes, yeah, I was yes, going to say, you. I think that's another Shimomura. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a really good one would have to be Etrian Odyssey, and we can kind of oh, yeah. almost bunch the entire series in there, really. Yeah. Um, Koshiro's but, love of FM synth. Yes, and you know what's interesting about that is as much as nice as the like fully or orchestrated versions of Etrian Odyssey soundtracks are, I still kind of like the the whole the retro styled soundtracks better. Um, at least to some extent. Not that you know, not that I dislike four's soundtrack at all, but I mean three just had some amazing music. Um and and you know, using that retro style I think fits this a little better because it's really, you know, kind of fitting the portable game theme using limited resources to make something really cool. So Definitely actually not seeing. I'm trying to think of a third one, and I'm just going to say the new Fire Emblem games, because I've been really impressed with the soundtrack so far. And... Yeah, I heard a few pieces from those, and they are very nice. Yeah. And... I mean, I thought, I thought Awakening had a really good soundtrack for a Fire Emblem, but even then, I can still count, like, the really good ones on one hand, and the rest are just decent, but not memorable. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, 
I don't think Fire Emblems necessarily had bad music. It's no, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, exactly. Like I, exactly. I constantly mix up the uh, soundtracks from you know Fire Emblem, the set, you know Fire Emblem Seven, quote unquote, and Sacred Stones. Like yeah. you give me a piece, and I can't tell which one it's from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but playing this one, you know, they have routinely pleasant music, but nothing. Uh... Yeah, nothing yeah. else. And again, Andy, but yeah, this sounds like the you know this new these new ones are. I, I really hope the rest of the soundtrack and is going to be that way and by the sounds of it it, it is <laughs> yeah I, a lot of it's been really good even some of the more like mundane pieces i found to be really nice so um um yeah it's good especially the opening theme is just like this really cool piece so um maybe it. maybe it, it doesn't deserve to be on this list since uh as one of the best, but uh, I'm struggling to think of a third one at the moment. Yeah. Um, like maybe... We've collectively come up with, like, so it's fine. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. Well, may, you know, maybe Devil Survivor would would be a good fit, too. I like the music. Gotta get that. They're pretty, they're, they're yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. I wouldn't say the best, but certainly pretty good. Oh, you know what? Monster Hunter. How could I forget Monster Hunter? Oh, and, I, and I'm specifically mean... For that. And... I specifically mean four, because obviously the other, uh, the other ones have roots in console games. But four is definitely portable only, and uh, it has like a really really cool soundtrack. And if you go back and read my review, I note that it actually like really enhances the experience more so than any of the other games in the series. Just like really cool, exciting music. So. I would definitely put Monster Hunter 4 up there. Uh, but yeah, we have now named way more than uh, I guess the nine we Many would be allotted. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess we should move on. Okay. All right. on to our next question, which I think is a really interesting one, uh, and relevant since uh, we're going to be talking some more about one of these series. Uh, two very popular series in Japan, and some would say the rest of the world, that have ha made only small changes over the years and remain popular are Dragon Quest and Pokemon. What is it about these two series that allow each game to be very similar to previous games without tiring out their fans? Good question. It helps that we only get like one of each every five years. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. As many like re-releases each uh, game in the series, like each of those series tend to get. It it helps that like a new one, like a real for real new one, comes like once every four years. Every yeah, three to yeah, three to five years, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. As a, like you know, I mean, like you, if you want more, there's always more to play. But I mean, if you're just following the series casually, and you know, a lot of a fan base that large is by nature following casually, they, uh, you know, just pick it up once every yeah. few years. And yeah, and they, they, they both have, and they both have like a lot of spin-offs yeah. to sort of fill in those gaps and to appeal to other you know types of games in the yeah, meantime. Yeah. Just, 
Yeah. And if you look at the sales of a lot of the spinoffs for both series, you can see that obviously the entire fan base is not, not following those as much. Yeah, right. pretty much. Um, but, yeah, it's like, you know, like I, I think you would have to essentially be some sort of eccentric uh, millionaire in order to follow every single game that uh, both of those series is putting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this is interesting talking about these same both of these at the same time because while I'm sure there's there's some similar reasons why they both don't change that much and stay popular, I think there's also some differences between the two. Um, yeah, I mean, look what happened when Dragon Quest tried to be Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we could argue that they didn't necessarily do it as well, but that's probably well, besides well, yeah, the point. Well, also, well, also Dragon Quest had a sort of monster catching system a few years before Pokemon. That's true. <laughs> It did, and it, it didn't. It had, like, oh, sometimes a monster will choose to follow you after you kill it. No. It just sort of happened. And even then, it, it probably got the idea from Megami Tensei anyway. It's true. Poor, uh, poor Mega Ten never getting the credit <laughs> for the monster collecting. Just, you can like, collect like, monsters and that is a giant pain in the ass. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Just like it's like no, it's not a darker Pokemon. Pokemon is a lighter and softer Mega Ten. <laughs> oh yeah, but like Pokemon, part of the reason that it's able to uh, ensnare people as much as it does is that it really encourages you to get attached to things. And like Mega Ten is like brutally, brutally against the idea of you getting yes. attached to any particular party, oh, yeah. like yes. monster. You must fuse away your favorite demon, or you will fail horribly. Yeah, it's like. You don't have enough space the, to keep them, and they don't, and they didn't level in many of the older games. So, in yeah. like basically none of them before three, do demons level in any real fashion? Uh, like they, they're designed to be like treated like tools, whereas Pokemon, you know, as much it's, as the you know conceit is essentially cockfighting, you're still designed <laughs> to care about the things that you're sending to uh, horrendous injury. Yeah, they're your friends. Yeah, well, you're my friends that you spend a ridiculous amount of time breeding for the perfect stats, but still your friends. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's one of the things that keeps Pokemon appealing. Is it's like it's fun to build up this new collection of you know this cool collection you get attached to, and obviously now there's more ways to bring those Pokemon from game to game, and mm -hmm. you know, and, I, and there's also just the fact that like the systems are designed to be. Uh, you know, you can go into them. I, I think that there's a degree of commonality to this, although to, not to the same degree. Sure. Where, like, depending upon how well you're willing to, far you're willing to delve into each of these, you can get by just sort of taking whatever you happen to be fond of or just happen to find and sort of ride that to the end game. Or you can, you know, become this ridiculous uh, grognard that gets everything and uses only the most. Uh, like purely eugenics uh, creatures in Pokemon's case. <laughs> yep, I mean that's pretty much that's the competitive scene right there. I mean, sure, in the main that's games are. I don't play competitive Pokemon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of sort of do it for my favorites, but even then, I I have yet to enter like the VGCs or anything more serious than. Yeah, actually, yeah, barely anything serious than like those Wi-Fi tournaments they have every so often, and I usually get my butt kicked anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, looking at Pokemon tier lists was one of the most frightening things I've ever done in my <laughs> life. Um, but, 
Yeah, it's it's just sort of like that's that's one of those things that uh, can really help something's broad appeal. It's just like as difficult as this is to actually do, it's creating systems that like you pull out as much as you put into them. Yeah. Um. And this learned a long time to master. Exactly. And as far as Dragon Quest goes, it's you know obviously that accessibility plus. Uh, I guess like the the whole nostalgia factor with that series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it helps that inertia and like just the shared phenomenon among people that play a lot of games of like, oh man, Dragon Quest, and like people who don't play much games in Japan can still be like, oh yeah, I've seen Dragon Quest. <laughs> which is why you get things like Dragon Quest Eleven, which is like, how nostalgic do you want it to be? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a 16-bit looking RPG? Go ahead. Here, it looks like it's made in the tile sets from Dragon Quest Three Remake on SNES. Yeah. Or you can just play the super modern looking thing. And that is sure to be the most popular version of that game in Japan. Yeah, that 3DS version is going to make an absolute killing. Oh yeah. Uh, Which makes me think um, that as pessimistic as people may be, and we'll get to more on that later, um, <laughs> it seems like the PS4 version and the NX version as well are specifically there for the purpose of being able to better market this worldwide. It, it really is just a question of more like... The, the only thing that I could really see keeping us from getting one or the other of those versions is who pays for localizing it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah um, that sounds about right. Uh but, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, uh, but basically, the reason these games uh, stick around is because they're really iconic. No one really does precisely the same thing anywhere near as well, and you know they're <laughs> they've got a lot of you know depth that really just allows people to play them however they want, even within the confines of very limited-looking game structures. Sure, and you know, as far as the Pokemon side of things go, I think all the extra stuff outside of the games really helps keep that series relevant. Yeah, um, like it's, so, there's, yeah, there's always like the, the anime, the manga, the movies, and all that, the, and cards. the, the cards, or even yeah. just the spin-off games. Like if there, oh yeah, even if those you want more, if you want more Pokemon, there is always more Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. but your yeah. mystery dungeons, your rangers, your what have you. Various puzzle games. Yeah. The eight different puzzle game rule sets that have been applied to Pokemon at some point or another. <laughs> yeah, but basically, there's always there's always something Pokemon related out there, so that it's a lot easier to bring in new fans to the series as maybe some other fans leave. And you know, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm sure. Old... And you can always find some other vector to infect them with. Sure. Oh, this person <laughs> doesn't think they like RPGs, but they love puzzle games. <laughs> Or they love card games. Or they just really like cute things, and here's a movie that they don't have to worry as hard about, like, yeah. how much about moving stats around. Now, Wheels, we still have to tell your embarrassing Pokemon story and why you don't play Pokemon games. Uh, it's, yes, uh, yes. It's not necessarily I don't, I try. The thing is, when the original came out, um, which was when I was early, early on in high school, um... Obviously, being big on the Game Boy, I, you know, played the heck out of it, and my younger sister did as well. Uh, I think even my older brother did. We were all playing Pokemon, but uh, 
somewhere along the line, after having beaten beaten it and played it a bunch, I got it into my head that I have to get I had gotta catch them all. Maybe I heard that stupid opening to the anime too many times. Or perhaps you just contemplated the box that also said that. <laughs> Quite possibly, but I I did catch them all, which required like trading with kids in my karate class. Uh you know, so much legwork. Digging into <laughs> FAQs. Uh, I think I had to borrow my sister's copy, which I had read. She had blue. I think I had to do that to get a few of them. Uh, and that eventually, yep. eventually, I did cash them all. And all I got for it was a, congrat- a diploma. A diploma. And it was just like, <laughs> yes. <that laughs> Why did, did I do get this? to do that, Professor Oak battle? They dummy down. Yeah. So. Since then, I just I, I I don't even I don't know what it is. I have had so much trouble, and, and it's not without trying because I've I've tried them all, pretty much. Uh, I just an attempt to get someone to fight <laughs> in some of these. Maybe it's that I I can't seem to find an approach. Like I'll go in saying, you know, I'll just use whatever Pokemon I find along the way and play single player, and then be like, oh, but I want to find this one and this one and this one and ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I kind of took that, took tried to stick to a simple approach with X, and I was actually making good progress through that, and just got distracted by other games. But I'm gonna go just back got to that. Distracted by your RPG yeah. ADD. But <laughs> yeah, but I'm determined to get back into these games because there's really no reason that I wouldn't like them. I know they're a little easier on the easy side for my tastes, but I can you know get around that by just using like terrible Pokemon, I guess. <laughs> I'm I not allowed to have any Pokemon yeah. with stat totals above 500. <laughs> but yeah, that doing that stupid thing ruined, ruined the series for me f- for way too long. Don't let yourself burn out on things, kids. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not good. Yeah. Admittingly, I'm not, yeah. Admittingly, even I'm not sure why I insist on trying to catch them all, but... Yeah, I'm still like I'm doing that right now, and all I'm waiting on are the two event legendaries that aren't really available yet, anyway. So technically, I have them all. I, mean, I the, gave up that, that pipe dream like oh, how many years ago at well, this point? It's a, it's a bit easier now, thanks to you know the uh, the Pokemon Cloud saving thing, Pokemon, yeah. Pokemon Bank. Oh yeah. Because yeah. you can literally just transfer them, you know, several at a time, and now you have like you know the the past gener all the past generations you have to worry about the current one. Yeah, it's just, I uh, like, I learned as a child that I didn't actually enjoy doing that, so I just never bothered. <laughs> well, yeah, if you don't enjoy collecting, then yeah. there's no need to. There's there's 721 of the stupid things oh, now. Geez. Well, you can do online trading, right? Well, yes, of course, you could do yeah. that, yeah, too. So. Nice. You can, in fact, trade for things entirely at random. Just turn mm-hmm. it into a weird gotcha poll. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah I think That's probably what the thing is. I don't think I really was all that having all that fun collecting all of them, so... I, I've never stupid. enjoyed collecting things yeah. for its own sake, so I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, but... I, I guess I'm just, I don't know, I, I just like to collect things. Well, oh, if you yeah. like collecting <laughs> yeah. Well, see, yeah, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think it's it's cool. It's just that stupid me was yeah, not enjoying it and just kept at like, it. Yeah. Don't insist on doing things <laughs> that you don't actually enjoy doing. Yeah. True enough, true enough. Yeah. So it's not it's like your... you, you, you hardly need them all anyway. Oh, it's yeah, your video sure. game, it's not a job. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I am determined to get back into X and and also black and white because those were the first where uh, like the slower pace of the battle system ceased to bother me. So I'd like to play through those 
again as well, since people seem to still rave about black and white. So they're good. Those are still my. That's my favorite generation right there. Yeah. So really, again, heads and shoulders above uh, story and character-wise. Anyway, I'm still disappointed in that they like <laughs> took a few steps back to Diamond and Pearl for the plot and the characters. Uh, I don't know why. Well, I do like the the uh, setting of X that is like French. Oh, the setting is nice. Yeah. It's just that I, I can't. Care, I don't. They don't make me care. They don't let me care about the characters at all. The the plot it just feels like a rehashing of Diamond and Pearl. Yeah. Not, it doesn't give me a chance to care about the characters and yeah. There yeah. you go. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So maybe we should talk a little bit. We've we've, we've talked... ended the. This uh, involvement in the question. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we should talk maybe a little, little, a little bit more about Dragon Quest's appeal. Um, because we've never done that before. <laughs> uh, it's always fun to do. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's timeless. It's just like, you know, I brought up like various in relation, like, you know, Dragon Quest is, you know, often thought of as just, oh, it's the grindiest thing imaginable. And to an extent, that's true. But, you know, you can you can get through them if you're willing to be clever and, like, sort of rely on the fact that the game is a lot more random than just about anything else uh, that anyone cares about. Yeah. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the things about the series that I think stays appealing is uh, just, uh, like, the little stories you run into, not necessarily even the larger plot. It does a really good job of, like, Make, the vignette narratives are it, really nice. Exactly. It, it does an awesome job of making, like, random towns you go into feel alive and have, like, really cool stories. Like, I think one of the most interesting I can remember is in uh, Dragon Quest VIII, you come across um, this, this uh, like, city where the king, the king has lost his wife and they've been in mourning for, like, for forever and you basically Years at this point <laughs> you basically help him get over it um you could, you could do this whole thing where uh, uh i forget what it you go finds like a wizard or some other thing where he can he can see basically see his dead wife and you help him get over it and it's just like this really kind of touching story that you know, most RPGs, you go into a random city along the way, and it's kind of boring, or yeah, just, just people oh, say this random sure things. Is a town. Yeah, there's people strewn about it a bit. Yep. Uh, and I think Dragon Quest like rarely has random towns where there's you can't find anything interesting in them. So yeah, like like Dragon Quest, I think is is buoyed by the fact that as you know, from from what I can tell. Yuji Hori is a more talented writer than most, so, like... Because, like, Dragon Quest isn't his only beloved bit of games writing, because, like, he basically started the adventure game genre's popularity in Japan by making ancient uh, Famicom uh, adventure game, the Portopia, Portopia Serial Murder Case. Hmm. Interesting. Which was a very uh, well-regarded adventure game from back in the day that basically created Japan's love, love affair with the genre. Hmm. So... Yeah, like the, the like the the strength of you know just a stronger than usual writer really just fleshing out the world not in the sense of like world building as we normally think about it but just making sure that everything that shows up in the story is worthwhile on its own separate from the story itself. 
yeah, and it's just amazing how well the series also fits in like this cutesy art style and a lot of goofy humor, at least in our localizations, uh, that fits seems fits fits perfectly with the serious stuff. So it's it just works. It's the best I can say. It works and we need more Dragon Quest, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my experience with the series is pretty limited. I own four through six at um, nine and uh, Rocket Slime, but I've only played through four so far. Yeah. But I, I did enjoy it right, very much. So I can see why you know it has you know such a devoted fan base and so la- and such lasting people. They are very well made games. Oh yeah, and four is definitely would is definitely a good one to start with. Let's see. Good to know. Yeah. Well, the the first three are kind of a little rough. Well, and we, they're not rough per se, but they they have less of the things we're talking about about like yeah, vignette storytelling. Exactly, and four is a good example of that since it goes through uh, stories for all the party members beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like oh, you played the NES version. You name a character that you don't see for like twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, well, any other thoughts on this? It's timeless. Hooray! I do find it. I uh, I guess I occasionally find one person who says that you know Dragon Quest never changes. That's why I stopped playing it. But like Pokemon and vice versa, they're all Pokemon is all the same. But they're big Dragon Quest fans. I don't get it. That's, that's yeah. a baffling bit of hypocrisy. That's, yeah, that's head scratching. And uh, I I mean. If someone ever said, "Oh, those neither of those changes," I don't want to play them. I think that's kind of missing the point. They, yeah. They keep... Or even going beyond that, that they they actually do experiment a lot within their niches. But for sure. But what they do is they keep the mechanics that work largely and tell new stories and give you new experiences with a, within a familiar and easily accessible framework. And it's they okay tweak, for things they, to be iterative sometimes. Yeah, they tweak them too. Yeah. Ever, you know, ever so slightly. Iterative. I, I don't know where we got to the point where like iterative. Iterative. Ugh, I can't speak. Iterative. Someone else say it for the last. Iterative. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know when that became such like a bad word. Like. Uh, it's because you know you'll get iterative sequels to come out every year. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Well, yeah, that would probably uh, like yes. again going back to the very beginning of this answer. I'm forgetting the Call of Duty effect. Come out, yeah, like it helps that these only come out. The mainline entries only come out like once every three to five years. True, mm. sure, and I think of some of the the games. Uh, what was I going to say? And some of the ones that maybe come out less. No, what am I saying? <laughs> losing my train of thought some of the ones that come out yearly uh, maybe even like on the RPG end I'm looking at you Neptunia um, I think that comes out more than yearly yeah. yeah. yes, yes. Uh, they're iterative but they don't really do the... they don't give you time to long to see them back yeah. <laughs> that and I, they don't mix things up enough they stay too much the same I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I mean, and as much as you complain SS. about, as much as you complain about like Dragon Quest not changing, you you come back to it and it's like, okay, after 
you know, one one to two, suddenly you've got a party. Two to three, you've got an entirely customizable party that each have individual jobs that grow into other jobs. Four throws that out entirely and has, like, a bazillion preset characters that all have their own stories that are all told individually in a, like, structure that no one had done with an RPG up till that point. Five jumps to a generational concept and executes it better than anyone else had done by that point. Six returns to the job system, but also adds, like, a dual world setup. Seven takes the job system from six and refines it, and then adds giant, like, weird time travel plot to it. Like, you know, you say it never changes, but, I mean, the trappings change enough that it feels Mm -hmm. fresh. Hmm. Missing the forest for the trees, as they say. Or is it missing yeah. the trees for the forest? Did I mess that no, up? No, it's forest for the trees. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes, I got it right. Did not see the larger point for the smaller points yes. you were going. For. I got something right. Yes, success. We can end okay, the show now. We need now. to move on to further questions before wheel brain breaks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So let's move on to our next question, which I think is a pretty fun one. Um, what is your favorite monster that isn't iconic from its game? I swear we tried to answer this once, and I don't remember if the recording made it through. Uh, we may have, but whatever, we'll answer it again. We've got a guest, which is yes. good, because maybe more answers. Our, our, if we did answer it, our first answer was probably terrible, so That's we get a second chance. Hmm. All right. Trying to think. Yeah. Uh, are we allowed to pick sort of monster catcher like Megami Tensei? Would that count? I mean, I, I mean, or is it just so many demons that Good there's enough. only like two that are iconic there? Yeah, I would say oh, that. Like the iconic ones are a pixie. Well, Jack Frost and Cerberus. <laughs> I mean, those are Jora, also... Jack Frost, Cerberus. And Cer- yeah, Cerberus has been, literally been around since the first novel. So. Yeah, you turned your poor dog into a Cerberus. <laughs> uh. Okay, so from there, then I uh, guess. They got this, the uh, dra- the ice dragon Coulibre. It's apparently based on a Spanish myth, and it's just, it's almost cute. It's like it's small, but it's just it's really powerful. I, I just I, I I adore it to pieces for some reason. <laughs> and Hecate, the uh, it's based on uh, based on a like a Greek goddess, but it shows yeah. up as a three headed um, creature with a lion's head, a horse's head, and a wolf's head. Ah, uh, yeah. Basically wearing basically wearing a like wearing leather and holding a whip. It's <laughs> It's just it's it's yeah. powerful and it's crazy looking. That is a crazy cool design, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and it was also in the first game as a as a boss, but not looking quite like that. <laughs> yeah, one of those ones that gets redesigned every so often. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's some Dragon Quest ones I put in here, like uh, I'd like to say the Platypunk. But oh man, Platypunks are great. But the uh, I think the slime games have kind of moved them into the oh, area the, of iconic. Well, like I feel like the iconic one for Dragon Quest is slimes. Yeah. Like if if you're you if you're not going to allow like if by any other standard, basically the entire Dragon Quest beastery is uh, <laughs> iconic. But uh, well, then I'm gonna go with Platypunk. There you go. 
Yeah. Body punks are hilarious. Body punks are great. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think here. Uh, trying to think, and like my brain is just bringing up all of the uh, monsters that Final Fantasy knocked off of D and D. But like, like the <laughs> so you just it it feels like cheating to pull out like a, a one you know like a evil eye or whatever that's just a beholder. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Like, that's the other thing, is that if you're using a broad enough definition of iconic, anything that showed up twice is iconic. Um, well, yeah, so it's just like, what what didn't show up that often, or maybe only once per game? Yeah. But then again, if it, if it sh- always showed up once per game, then that meant it was iconic. <laughs> like, I, I mean, can't like, use the once, like, maybe in one or two games. There we go. Yeah. Well, I think then Platypunk fits pretty well because they aren't around a ton outside of those slime Mori Mori games. Yeah, my favorite my favorite thing is always whenever a Dragon Quest enemy has an attack that isn't an attack; it's just a fancy way for it to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this this jail this jail striped cat is choosing to lick itself instead. They I really had, enjoyed those creatures in Dragon Quest Eight. They had some funny ones uh, that do that in Earthbound as well. Yeah, where it's like you know, Earthbound owes oh. much of its existence to Dragon Quest, so that makes oh, sense. The, for sure. the, bat, the bats and Mother One. I just it rec- relatively recently fought them. It's just like it's, it's like it questions its existence and gets confused. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good one. Where it's, yeah. that's going through an existential crisis. <laughs> Sure, why, not? Like, why did I even pick this fight? What am I doing? <laughs> why am I beating up this kid? And that hurts. That baseball bat. Maybe that's why it's confused. I, I feel like I feel like that's a, that's an enemy I can sympathize with. <laughs> Existential crises. <sighs> but yeah, no. Like I'd probably pick something like you know just any. Any of those, like, random Dragon Quest enemies that any time I see them... Like, I couldn't name them off the top of my head, but every time I see them, I laugh a little bit. It's like, they'll, they'll be doing something silly. Because they've got, like, the great Toriyama designs, and, like, they're just really fun to watch do things. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm thinking of some of the... Uh, I don't know if this necessarily counts, because maybe they don't fit into the realm of monsters, but there's some, like, villains in the various Mario RPG series that I think are really cool that definitely aren't, aren't iconic because they show up in like one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that hilarious villain whose name was escaping me from the first Mario and Luigi game. Oh, Fawful? Yes. I was going to say, is it Fawful? Oh. Yes. <laughs> that dude is hilarious. Didn't Fawful like re-show up in like three... Yeah, he was into as a, like a, basically a, like a shop of some sort saying he's going to come back Later, and he's the main. And he somehow hunter. made good on the threat, which is the weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I had, still haven't played Dream Team, so I have no idea if he somehow shows up. Since three makes it look like he did, he's dead, I have no idea. Yeah, I still need. Nothing to... dies in Mario. <laughs> I, actually... I guess it just breaks down into a coin. <laughs> I still need to play uh, three and Dream Team. A little behind on those. Bowser's Inside Story. Yeah, they're, yeah. yeah, they're very they're very good, but you know. You play too much of them, you'll burn yourself out. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, usually a lot of Mario RPGs just have the, the, the enemies from the mainline games, so I'm trying to think of... Yeah, which are yeah. all to some degree iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they do occasionally come up with something original. Like uh, Chameleon Nerd. Yes. <laughs> uh, was that in... Um... That's Super Paper Mario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. All right, the one that goes, I am error. Yes. He does a lot of weird yeah. things. Like, he screams about how he's going to take this butterfly he's found and post pictures of it to the digibutter.nur forums. <laughs> and then he goes on this long, like, you do this long, weird visual novel sequence with him as Peach. It's crazy. <laughs> I still need to play that game. Wow. That game is... That's a crazy game. Yeah, that, that game is really cool, and I think a little underappreciated because people are really people. It's not RPG enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, it well it's, it's it's more that like people had like expectations of it being less of an RPG than it is. Like it's got it. it you know, it doesn't have like a challenging platforming at its core. And people saw screenshots of it and thought this must be more of a platformer, and it's really not. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird middle ground where maybe, yeah, maybe people that thought it was more a platformer were disappointed, and people that were probably big fans of Thousand Year Door Thousand were Door probably were like... a little disappointed. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. yeah. But it's a cool game. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've cleaned out most of the iconic monsters. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of something from Fantasy Star, but the only thing that's really too like memorable is maybe the Rappies. I can't really think of anything. Everything in there would be... Everything else is Dark Falls. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Rappies and Dark Falls. There you go. <laughs> Everything else is non, not really that iconic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, the, the point isn't really iconic, but, like, things you liked that weren't iconic, so... Right, no, but then it's... Okay, that's everything in... That's everything in Fantasy Star. <laughs> the Boomas, yeah. and the, I don't even... I don't even remember the... I don't it helps, really remember it helps that Fantasy Star is, once again, something that was uh, heavily, uh, you know, like, primarily directed by an illustrator, like mm -hmm. uh, Ryoko Kodama. Yeah. Would, uh... Tonberry from the Final Fantasy series count as I would iconic? Call that iconic. Okay. They're iconic enough, yeah. Oh, was, like they turned one into a summon. And it was like... yeah. Damn them. It's a bunch of chefs of a bunch of as chefs in Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Yeah, like yeah. Tonberries are. It, it's iconic if you're confused as to why they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we've cleaned it up. Yeah. Alright, so let's move on. Alright, so our next question is what is the funniest plot hole you can think of? Uh, I can think of a lot of ones that aren't in RPGs, but that doesn't really count. <laughs> I, got, I got, yeah. A hilarious Resident Evil plot. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got one that's kind of unfair due to the sort of nature that plot holes are inevitable. Uh, it's from, oh, it's not really a plot, it's not the plot, it's a Fire Emblem Awakening due to the various supports. 
Uh, oh, yeah. So if you're, if you have a male avatar and you marry him to Lissa, you'll be the father of one of the second generation characters, Owain. According, usually, usually Owain supports with his father. He explains that his father was killed by an arrow from, <laughs> from a zombie. The problem with that is that if it's the avatar, is that he needs to live long enough to become the, to, uh, again, spoiler alert. He's actually the, you know, the fell dragon Grima. So he couldn't, he can't be died due to an arrow. So they actually, they purposely changed it in the supports for the English version. I don't know about the Japanese version where he just, where Owen just said that his father disappeared. You never saw him again after that risen attack. But that unfortunately, like by trying to cover up one plot hole, they opened they up another. made a new one. Because suddenly it's just like, how in the world are there risen before the Avatar becomes Grima? Just like, how are there, how are the zombies? Because the dragon causes the zombie apocalypse. So where do the zombies come from? <laughs> Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> but like, brain. Uh, it's unfair because by the fact that they're all interchangeable, you're bound to open up, you know, unintentional yeah. plot holes. But I just thought it was funny that, that they... Yeah, they tried to cover one plot hole and they inadvertently opened another. Yeah, it's that and that time travel plots inevitably create plot holes like mad oh, yeah. and attempts to explain them away create disasters like Chrono Cross's plot. <laughs> oh. Well, Awakening tried to go for a multiverse approach so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just you still get like one of my favorites is like uh if Krom is Sumia's uh like husband then his one of their daughters like there is like looking for Krom and doesn't know what he looks like even right, though right. the one she mistakes for Krom looks nothing like him and in fact you would think she would have seen her dad at least once <laughs> or at least realize hey that guy has the same hair color I do yeah and there's only like five blue haired people on the planet <laughs> uh I'm trying to think of something that doesn't involve time travel. Uh, <laughs> time travel is a recipe for this. Final or interchangeable characters. Final Fantasy yeah. X? Uh, oh, FF10. Like, FF10's problem is that it's not funny to me because it feels like it's built around a plot hole. <laughs> it's just like, sometimes things don't die and we don't want to think too hard about why they don't die. They just don't. <laughs> and like I've seen people say like oh well these are powerful individuals who have a lot of will and it's like okay but that seems like almost like the excuse is almost classist in its sense of like only important people don't have to die <laughs> and it's just like you, you try to explain away that plot hole and it just gets more <laughs> ugly the longer you try so instead of covering it, they just make it bigger. Listen. Yeah, like, I instead of covering it, it just makes it seem like the universe is an asshole. Well, well look at it this way. That game wouldn't have been as good without Oren, so there you go. Yes, well, Oren... He has like, to be there. I mean, okay, how about Oren's not dead? Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's like it it's like one of my favorite ways I've ever heard this explained is someone talking about the uh the plot of the fourth Jaws film which apparently revolved around uh, a the Jaws trying to take revenge on the bloodline of the family that slayed it. And that plot was seen as too ridiculous for the author of the novelization. So they chose to make it that the reason that the shark had a concept of revenge and was trying to do this was that someone randomly placed a voodoo hex upon it. Because <laughs> that's better. 
<laughs> yes, it's like there there reaches a point where your attempt to explain away the plot hole has gotten much dumber than the plot <laughs> hole was. <sighs> you got one, Wheels? I'm struggling to think of anything. Um, for some reason, Tales of the Abyss came to mind, but I don't think that has any major plot holes. Not that we're that hilarious. No. Uh, if you don't come up with something, I'm going to talk about Resident Evil for a few years. You know what? Go for it. Why not? I'm just going to pull up one that I saw mentioned recently. Resident Evil 3. So Resident Evil 2 uh, takes place in a zombie-infested city. And every single person, like, you know, basically the entire city is zombified. And the excuse for why these two characters are there is that neither of them, like, was... Uh, like, both of them just drove into town, which is, you know, it's a flimsy excuse, but it's an excuse. Resident Evil 3, which takes place the day before, and it's just as full of zombies, uh, proclaims that the main character of Resident Evil 1 just sort of stuck around while it happened. <laughs> there would be no game if she hadn't stuck around, so she stuck around while it happened and didn't do anything. <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> Yeah, you know, just hanging around, hoping that the armies of zombies fighting police with riot gear would eventually thin out, I guess? But yeah, so that's not an RPG, so I can't spend too much time on it. Well, we should probably talk about Chrono Cross, since it it's like a game story that is just a giant <laughs> plot hole. Let me tell you the funniest plot hole in one of the subplots of Chrono Cross. Chrono Cross has a ridiculous subplot about an entire race of fairies getting genocided by angry dwarves. Now, the dwarves uh, will only attempt to do this if you kill the Hydra, and the Hydra is, like, this thing that, like, lives in their swamp, and its existence, like, helps purify it from polluting influence, but you need to kill it because you need to save a party member that's dying. And the thing is, they, like, if you... Uh, if you kill it, they will attempt to genocide the fairies and take their land. The game then has both the dwarves and fairies blame you over what the dwarves are doing, while the dwarves, proclaiming the disgusting, like, polluting nature of humans, pull out their giant smog-belching tanks and blow open an entire nature preserve of an island. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Chrono Cross's plot with all of my heart and soul. Uh, so there, that's that's the dumbest, like... You know, I could go into a long thing. I think uh, I saw a very good explanation about how the villain, the uh, stage villain, per se, like the villain that appears the most in Chrono Cross makes no sense at all. Because, spoiler alert, Lynx is... Uh, Sergei slash Serge, however you want to pronounce it. It's Lynx is his dad. Who, okay, so Sergei is the key to unlocking the Fate supercomputer, and the Fate supercomputer wants to be unlocked because it wants to actually make use of itself, but it can't unless the key to it is used. So it gets control of Sergei's dad because Sergei's dad gets lost at sea at some point. Then, for some reason. Uh, turns him into a weird cat man that's completely unrecognizable and then sends him off to try to persuade Sergei to open the fake computer. This would be silly on its own if it weren't for the fact that the in that like Sergei is deathly terrified of giant cats due to being bit by a poisonous panther as a child. 
So essentially, it took his beloved father who had gone missing, turned him into what he most feared, and then told him, then told like the like weird bargaining chip pawn that he had made out into a cat man, and had him go back and try to convince Sergei to unlock the fake computer. It made no sense at all. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, like it's it's, uh, it's beyond nonsense. Also, why were why were the dragons from some random other dead timeline? Uh, there, they, I from, forget. Okay, so the explanation given is that the timeline that you can create in Chrono Trigger in one of the joke endings, where you kill Lavos after uh, right before you would normally fight the Reptite Queen. You kill her. Uh, you kill Lavos instead, and it creates a joke ending where everyone's a uh, like reptite at the end, and so like oh ha 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 because we didn't uh, kill the reptite queen, they continued to exist and like you know they evolved to be the dominant species. Everyone's a reptite. Uh, in Chrono Cross, they turned that into an actual plot point about how that civilization created weird dragon computers. <laughs> the dragon computers came from a dead timeline and used a weird French harlequin as their uh, like emissary to try to influence the timeline to give them control of the fake computer. But I don't understand how that time. That, they then uh, well, like the entire thing, like the entire thing about Chrono Cross's plot is that like, oh, all of your meddling in time created all of these dead splinter timelines that can't exist anymore, but they have to exist somewhere, so they exist in these other weird dimensional splits, and it doesn't make any sense. It's how could there be multiple timelines where you kill Lavos? I don't understand. Uh, the multiverse, but, I guess. Uh, yeah. Many like, world interpretation, you know? Well, it's a multiverse, except it only cares about two of them. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Well, and I think that's the weird thing about Chrono Cross, is it doesn't really go by the multiverse timeline, because it has this whole idea about, like, timeline, dead timelines. Timeline, yeah, and, like, it only allows for two timelines to exist, because I guess Sergei's just that important. Yeah. <laughs> Chrono Cross would have, probably could have made a much better story if they just went with the multiverse. Okay, then yeah. some... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. Yeah. So, it's like, not terribly confusing. Weird, it, hilarious plot holes for days in that game. Yeah. Just, it's just like... The insistent... The, the fact that they had a budget for two worlds uh, <laughs> is uh, kind of an issue. <laughs> yeah. That game is... Well, <laughs> that game is confusing as all heck. The dragons eventually combine into a giant city that then fights a city from another future. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> In the present, for some reason. I, I played through that game, and I still don't understand anything in that game. I, I'm given to understand you like it a great meal, deal more than I oh, do. Oh yeah, it was every, fun. it was a blast to play. I just had no idea what was going on. Sometimes, like sometimes you do things in that game, and there's not really a clear reason why. It's just that the game really doesn't have any other way to get you from point A to point B than for you to just please just let it take you from point A to point B for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bring this whole thing full circle. I think Chrono Cross is a good example of the whole. You know, uh, not not trying to fix things involving time travel. Yeah, like time travel creates plot holes, and you're going to have to sort of accept that. Yeah, uh, like I guess one of the major things they wanted to do was fix the whole issue where where the heck did Scala go? 
there was there had to have been a better way to do that than <laughs> eaten oh. by Lavos and living outside of time, where the very concept of time is being eaten by this weird chimera. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to believe that that was the best option that Masato Kato had. And for some reason, while doing that, they also had to murder the original cast of Chrono Trigger. Yeah, remember the the nerd that wanted jerky out in Pore? Yeah, apparently he developed like a really giant military boner and made and just utterly decimated the entire everything you cared about in uh, the first one. I I love Chrono Trigger. I love Chrono Trigger. <laughs> it's a fun game. I and that's why I can't bring myself to love Chrono Cross. <laughs> You yeah, can't... I'm suddenly glad I haven't played that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's... It has fans. There will be people that will disagree yeah. with me yeah. in the uh, well, I comments yeah. of anyone. I, I wrote this whole article, which I think illustrates this perfectly, It that was basically two parts. Chrono Cross as a good game, and Chrono Cross as a terrible sequel. Uh, which yeah. I, I think sums it up perfectly. It's a fine... I, uh... Yeah, I can get behind that argument much more. Like, you know, it's it's not my cup of tea. I I tend to prefer that a game have, like, be a little more character-focused, and there's a lot of every dialogue in Chrono Cross, but, like, if it's your cup of tea, then it's got very solid gameplay, but it's, it's a bad good, sequel. It's got a good soundtrack, too. Yeah. Oh, that, that soundtrack. Get the soundtrack, though. Yeah. <laughs> Great soundtrack. Uh, especially the uh, opening theme. Oh, Scar of Time? Yeah, they yes. played that at a video games live. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, that... I can listen to that song all day. Uh, Not even joking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause Chrono Cross very fills me with conflict. <laughs> the agony uh, and the ecstasy. Yeah. I, I, okay, those are the plot holes. Yeah. Wheels never figured one out, yes. so I just had to flip like yeah. eight Chrono Cross models. <laughs> uh, I, I would still honestly recommend playing it, Cassandra, just kind of whenever something relating to Chrono Cross uh, or whenever something related to Chrono Trigger comes up in the game, just kind of shut your brain off. <laughs> Don't worry, minutes. it only happens about once every <laughs> 12 hours? Yeah, I, well, I guess yeah. I should be glad I'm not that attached to Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I, and, yeah I, I hope you don't mind seeing Robo murdered in front of your eyes. Okay, <laughs> that sounds delightful. Uh, yeah, it, it's still worth playing. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, horrible plot nonsense aside, it, I would still recommend playing it. Alright. I feel like if you were to go through that plot with the hacksaw and just remove everything that clearly came from a failed draft of the script that Masato Kato for some reason couldn't remove, uh, you could probably create a vaguely interesting narrative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that game needs a remake. Let's put it that way. That game a carefully needs constructed a remake. Rewritten without Masato Kato's consultation. Yeah. <laughs> I am arguing fiercely against his inclusion because I don't think highly of any of the plots he has ever written. Uh, I I would ask what else he's written, but that's probably going to open up a whole. Uh, other... Don, Nano Gears, uh, Kaitos one and two. Ooh. Oh, the second one had a good story. I Actually, I, I think the first one had a good story. Oh, the the, the the prequel, whatever you know. Yeah, 
origins, but yeah, oh, I'm, I'm pointing out that uh, Santa Destruction like, did too. I think was Santa uh, Destruction's plot is Xenogears, but again, okay. Yeah, but but hey, I could see Bot and Kados being much better there a lot later in his career. So yeah, well, apparently he had something to do with Legend of Legacy. Maybe that's okay. He wrote the the third rebooted Ninja Gaiden game, which has one of the worst plots I've ever seen. Um, well. <laughs> I can't really blame that all on him. No, no. Like, the things that are wrong with it are the entirely the things he introduced to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are things like, oh, you reach, you reach, uh, you, you slaughter an entire group of soldiers, and then the game forces you to sit down while the last one begs for his life, and it doesn't let you uh, not do that. Wow. Um... What a monster you are for not doing what the game won't let you do. Oh. <laughs> All right, that's that's our cue to move on. <laughs> Shiran the Wanderer? What? Really? It's just strange things. But that game doesn't. The game barely has any plot. Is okay, it like the original Shiran the Wanderer? Uh, like I guess he did the extra stuff for the DS one. That game has like no story. It's also, like an guess, opening sequence, and that's it. Also, I guess he did the plots for the original three Ninja Gaiden games on NES. Those are those at least make sense. That's a high watermark oh, for him. He's been all over the place. Yeah, you got wow. yeah involved in Chrono Trigger's plot, but he was significantly reined in by Yuji Horii. Uh, like he ran wild with Chrono Cross, and apparently did a fair bit of FF11. Okay, we're moving on. We're moving okay. on. I don't want to. Play. Oh, he didn't do Bat and Kaito's Origins. He did Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean. Oh, okay, Ocean. just the first game. Just so maybe that's why. The, okay, so maybe that's why the prequel has a better story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, the first, I, I, I like the first one, but the second, but the uh, the prequel is head and shoulders above it. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll pass that. Yeah. Let's. All right. Let me... It's All time right. for me to stop complaining about yes. the Masato Kata. Yes. Right. Well, that might not be literally true. You could figuratively argue it. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our next question, which is going to be, I guess, right up Dave's alley. <laughs> A contentious question <laughs> for all involved. Uh, whatever happened to card game card game battle systems for RPGs? So the second that I like added this to the like question queue. I went in and just penciled in a note. I hated them out of existence. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Uh, if, if I'm being more serious, and I, have a, I actually have strong opinions on this because of my hate, I, I think that the reason that these stopped is mostly because you've got a handful of people like me who just really don't like them. <laughs> and you've got other... You've got, you know, the people that really do like them have actual card games they can play. Yeah. That are updated, more balanced, to like have a lot more replayability that, you know, makes them more interesting than just having a 
card battle abstraction to a normal battle function. I have almost 3,000 wins in Hearthstone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep making go. fun of you. Yeah. That probably I'm imagining makes Destiny your point. being one game. What's that? I'm imagining like a world where Destiny and Hearthstone are one game. And oh, man. Else. Oh, my God. Wow, that would be cool. Save me some time. Thank you. Uh, uh, for anyone, uh, just a heads up for anyone that happens to be listening to this show for the first time, I play a lot of Hearthstone in Destiny. So there you go. <laughs> Who'd have thought with yes. your that. 3,000 yes. wins? <laughs> you know. That's, you know, not even talking. Just a dab of Hearthstone every so often. Yeah, you know, I've been playing Magic for, uh, since I was in middle school. 20 or so years? Since the the early 90s, so... Yeah, 20 or so years. So, I guess that brings up the question, why the heck have I not played Biting... I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Baten Kaito. Yes, thank you. I'm not... I'm not certain because I don't speak Arabic, but I'm pretty sure it's Baten Kaito. I, I was just about to say, ask Cassandra to take over before I completely butcher the name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the reason. There's no Baten Kaito 3. I'm the dumbest uh, inside manslaughter. You're <laughs> a monster. I actually did. <laughs> I did pick up those games before they got like too rare because I definitely knew they were going to uh, and played a little bit and did think the battle system was pretty cool, but... Uh, maybe you can talk some a bit more about those games for a minute. Yes, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm not exactly a. I wouldn't call myself a fan of the card battle systems, but admittingly, at least a three or like three games I can name that I've actually really enjoyed system on, and one that I at least played through. The Bot and Kaitos games are interesting in that they're not like it's not really it's a card base it's a card based system, but I don't think there's any way in heck you could actually play as a physical card game. It just goes by too quickly. The cards are basically options, it, like, like sort of like menu options that you have to choose in a certain amount of time. Attacks or um, special attack, re- regular attacks, special attacks, items. And the way you play them determines certain combos. They're, very, they're pretty comp- they're, uh, they're, Yes, they're pretty complicated, though. The games do a pretty good job of introducing you bit by bit the intricacy of the battle systems. So do you make like some sort of deck for your characters to use or is it yes. a bit more control okay yeah basically yeah in the first game every character every, every character in the three in a you know three character party got has a, their own separate deck actually i think all six of them do but you only have three at a time so you have to um kind of balance it because you know you have to make sure they have enough cards in their decks and it's especially difficult because there's two magic users and you usually don't have enough magic cards because you only ever use one at a time oh, interesting Origins, the uh, prequel, um, is actually only has one deck, which odd, like it streamlines. It streamlines the whole thing. Like it's a lot easier. It's a. I wouldn't say it's. I guess it's slightly better because it's a bit faster, where it needs to be, and not as fast where you don't want it to be. Because eventually it gets to a point where you're like frantically picking cards in the first game to get <laughs> a big enough combo. While Origins gives you more, like a much more time to pick the combos you want without having to worry about running out of time. And you can actually like dispose cards in Origins while you couldn't in the first game. You got Ooh. cards you didn't want. You just kind of had to play them and waste your turn. Oh. But yeah, they're like they're very creative, and I really, I really do wish those had continued. But well, yeah, I guess it was too abstract for people, too obscure. 
yeah. and Origins especially flew under the radar because it basically came out. It was out. a really late GameCube. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a late GameCube game, and the Wii came out the same year. Twilight Princess. Everybody just kind of ignored it. Poor thing. I bought yeah. it. The, I went I out and tracked had, it down. The the GameCube had a bizarre number of card game RPGs because it had, yeah. had, had, Lost it had both Bot and Kaitos, it had both Lost Kingdoms, and it also had Fantasy Star Online but, Episode 3 for yeah, some the, reason. Yeah, that's the one that I played through, and I don't know, I, I'm kind of slightly neutral uh, towards it. Now that's, now, that's a card battle system I could see as a physical card game. <laughs> The way it plays out. I, I have absolutely no idea how it works, except for the fact that, like, it does mean that there's the hilarious situation where, like, when they ported Fantasy Star Online to PC and added another episode, it became Fantasy Star Online episodes 1, 2, and 4. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because that never saw a PC release. Yeah, yeah, like, that never saw an anything else release. It's a strange Yeah. Game. It's a, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I kind of enjoyed it at the time, but I, I I barely remember how the card game played out. Interestingly enough, I have a soundtrack, and it actually comes with some duplicate cards from the game. Though there's no like there's no like text with it, so it's just the pictures. There's no text. It's just it's just a. So no, you can't. So you can't actually play with them. I don't think, but unless you've memorized what they're. <laughs> what they <do>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like if I can explain my like. I'm going to admit right here, almost irrational hatred of card game uh, battle systems. It's it's like my brain has a degree of abstraction that it's willing to take. Turn-based, sure, that allows me to have some strategy and like sort of plan out my moves and have like a real uh, sort of like thought about how I'm going to do things. The second that you also say that I'm at the limits of whatever I happen to draw and that they're secretly cards, it's like... <laughs> Okay, I've I've moved a little too far from my fun fantasy adventure. Now I'm doing something I do with the other nerds at the card table at the at school during lunch, and I just don't have it in me to do that. Yeah, I guess. So it's not a fair thing. It's not a fair hatred that I have, but it's like that is the the thought process that goes into it. So you weren't a big fan of Kingdom Hearts Chain like, of Memories. I, I do think. <laughs> No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, but like, I feel like, uh, as a broader concern, the reason these sort of kind of were hot for a while and went away is that card games were hot at the time. And the reason that they largely went away is that it turned out that the very concept of card games was not what was pulling people in. <laughs> and, like, so you, you got these things that, like, you know, there's interesting things you can do with these systems, I'm sure. I, I'll never find out, because I won't play them, but I'm sure that there's <laughs> an audience for them. But it, it's one of those things that happens with a lot of, like, weird subgenres is that you end up finding out that there were people coming to these for one thing, and there were people coming to these and tolerating that thing. And so if you strip out that one thing, you end up producing two products that serve both of their audiences better in a lot of cases. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. So another one that did I thought did pretty well uh, the card game well sort of incorporate cards anyway uh, Yggdra Union for uh, the GBA oh, and man. later the PSP the, the Department Heaven ones yes the part one of the Department Heaven games the second one I at least the second released anyway it's the one it's one of the ones I've heard of I always forget what order they go in <laughs> but yeah it's got a that has a really a pretty like I, it's one of my favorite battle systems of all time it's actually pretty. It's pretty imaginative. It's a strategy game while using cards, and the cards determine 
movement and the attack you're going to use and the way your like your your um team is laid out on the map so you can attack an enemy quite imaginative i i do wish uh like i do wish we had got i think i think the psp saw a sort of uh direct sequel that his name is escape uh, blaze union that was it Oh, that we yeah, never got. I remember hearing about that one, and just apparently it never came here. I always yeah, which, sort of assumed it had. No, which is a shame, because I would have liked to see that battle system return, because the Department Heaven system is like basically all about, let's just try these crazy, crazy battle systems in every entry. Although I yeah, think, yeah, from what oh, I've heard. Yeah, although I think Goonier is a slightly less crazy than the other games. Yeah. yeah. As a coda to my irrational hatred, I will say that uh, ima- like imagine me being like 12 and really into Dragon Ball and then finding out there's like an ass ton of Dragon Ball RPGs and being briefly excited until I find out that for some reason every single one of them's a card game <laughs> every single one there's so many of them and they're all freaking card games and it's the most baffling choice so yeah that probably created the visceral part of the dislike alright uh so, do we have any other thoughts about card game based battle system? You're the only one that didn't register any, probably because you were playing Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that happens pretty often. Um, so, just, like next time I see you in person, I'm just going to like print out a deck of Hearthstone cards and show them. <laughs> <in the show. laughs> uh, so, the th- yeah, obviously, I like card games, but generally, if I want to play a card game. I'm going to play a card game, so I haven't played too many of these, but I do like the idea. Uh, like, I, like I said, I did like what I played of biting, baiting, baiting. Oh my god, I just can't pronounce it! Define a way to mispronounce it every single time. Jeez. I guess you could always call it BK, but you might actually think it's Burger King. Burger card. Well, Big Mac, the ultimate battle. I like that RPG series from Monolith Soft that appeared on the Nintendo GameCube. Or at least what I played of it. That may or may not have precipitated their purchase. Yes. <laughs> and I also do like the original version of Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Um, I do think there's some cool things you can do with like deck building within the context of an RPG battle system. Uh, but I can understand why it hasn't really worked, and there's a lot of ways you can completely mess that up. Uh, but I think there's some cool things you can do with it. You know, uh, basically have each character make some, you know, make their own deck and do cool things like that. There's some cool things you can do with it, so it would be cool to see some people go back to that concept. Um, but I can definitely see why it hasn't stuck around. As long as I exist in the hearts of men. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, for that kind of thing, people are going to gravitate to things like Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering, so... Mm -hmm. Or the Pokemon card Yeah, I don't even mind if they don't come back. I I mostly just want a new Bon Kaitos. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, yeah, you never know. I mean, they did get one track in the new Smash Brothers. It's the... First new thing from that series in a long time. Does Nintendo own that property, or is that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they. I'm actually not. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's them or if Monolith still. I mean, Monolith if um, um Namco still owns it. This, was they it might. was it published by Nintendo or was it published? Uh, they the, they were published by Namco in Japan. Okay. The first one was published in the U.S. by Japan and by by Namco, but this prequel 
was published by Nintendo, okay. and they also and they did the localization. So maybe they own it. I don't really know. Like like maybe the Smash Brothers thing is a good sign, but Namco also helped develop that. So maybe not. It, it can't be that difficult of a license to wrangle because Namco's yeah. not really using it for anything. Well, yeah, yeah, I imagine it's not, it wouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, I'm sure if the people at Monolith were, went to Nintendo and were like, hey, can we do another one of those games? They, they could probably work it out if it's not I necessarily think I've read a rumor Nintendo. about a 3DS one once a year for the past seven years. <laughs> well, yeah, well, a long time ago, there was supposed to have been a Botan Kaito's DS and then it got canned in favor of the prequel on a GameCube. Yeah. Ah, that... So that's probably why every so often they think, hey, why not? Because it's a, it's a possibility. In fact, it's probably, it would probably do better on the 3DS than it would on the Wii U. Yeah. Probably. Of course, it would be fairly easy to arrange your uh, uh, hand on a Wii U as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, that would be pretty cool. Oh, man. Oh, don't you start. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving on. All right. This conversation is over. <laughs> uh... So what you're saying is you're passing your turn. So I'll begin my turn by drawing another card. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Being as kind as I can, so let's move on. <laughs> So let's move on to our next question, which is a relatively long one. Uh, pretty well every developer hopes that their game could become a series, don't they? Obviously, if your game is popular and a second game comes out that's similar in style and tone, then fans of the first will go for the second, and you can still bring in new fans with each new game. So I imagine it would, be, it would work out best for making a long-term money earner. But how much of a series could change between each game? How much needs to remain the same or very similar to not push away your core audience? Can you give examples of a series that has changed too much between two games and lost their core crowd? What about games that changed too little and lost their core? Uh, this is tricky alchemy. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, uh... It's the the problem is that it's not science. It's as much as it's as much like perception and culture around something, as well as just time. Like we we discussed bits of this in the Pokemon thing. It's like yeah, sure. because yeah, those are examples of two series that have only changed very slightly between their increments. Yeah, but you know because they're, both... they're given enough breathing room between them, people don't resent it as much. Mm -hmm. Then you've got something like Final Fantasy, where it changes in all sorts of weird ways. And but even how much it connects. changes, very even how much it's, it changes, is very based on perception. Like sure. people have a tendency to pit, to pit FF6 and 7 against each other, but if you look at their core design, they're really similar games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know, it's it's as much just. Does the audience expect to feel betrayed? Like, you know, 
there was a dust up about Devil May Cry a few years ago, and the final game that came out plays a hell of a lot like Devil May Cry, but the audience didn't did like the audience didn't mesh with the new uh, like style, so the audience just assumed that they had been betrayed, and that yeah. kind of runs through this. It's as much what it, what kind of alchemy does the audience go through? Yeah, and a lot of this can be very difficult because you want to obviously appeal to your core fans, but no, you know, all your core fans aren't going to stick with the series forever, so you have always have to think about bringing in new fans, and which could yeah, involve like, changes that mess with your old fans, and you know, it's 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 not difficult to maintain a series. I mean, I'm sorry, well, it not, is difficult. It's not easy to maintain a series. Yeah, like careful stewardship is what you know prevents something prevents like a Dragon Quest from mm-hmm. being like you know any given thing that lasted one console generation and killed itself from oversaturation. It's yeah. like you know just <laughs> like it, it's it's always going to depend upon you know you need to be very careful of what the market looks like at any given time yeah. because. There's no perfect formula for success on any of this. I mean, well, I think a good you know it 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 isn't even always to do with the content of what's being offered. Sometimes it's just does the audience feel yeah. like it's being taken for a ride? Mm-hmm. Like is that is this what they want? Is this? Yeah. I mean, once sort of like an idea that can sort of work. Uh, I guess it sort of worked for Mega Ten is just to have various sub series within your franchise. Yeah. The mainline yeah, like, games. I mean, have have several changes, but they're relatively constant. Then you have, you know, you've got your turn-based strategy offshoot, first the Majin Tensei games, then the more recent Devil Survivor. Persona is basically, it's almost big, pretty much bigger than the mainline series by now. Yeah, yeah it, it's definitely the better seller at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, you've got Devil Summoner, and you've got other, like, random offshoots when they just want to try something different. I think, uh... Yeah, that, that helps that, like... To, to take two thematically related things and not try to market them as being the same thing. Yeah, just yeah. sort of kind of maybe related. Well, I think maybe... Yeah, you can, you can just sort of say, oh, this is, this is similar, this has the same title, but, you know, it's clearly not the same thing, and it's not meant to replace that old thing you loved. Yes, and it's still around, because, you know, it's still around, they still come up with new series in that older one. But hey, yeah. if you want a strategy, turn-based strategy RPG, give it a try. Well, I think yeah. Mega Ten has just has just done great brand management for just a long time now. Um, yeah. Because uh, you know, there's always new games, but they, like you said, they do all these different sub series, but they all feel like a, they all feel cohesive. So. You're always doing fresh things, but they're always familiar, even when you are doing something new. So. Yeah, you have yeah similar themes. The demons are usually consistent all across. Yeah, and I think in a way, Final Fantasy does, to some extent, a similar thing with their subseries, although they've all been all o- not as all consistent. Of- yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they've been everywhere, but there is a certain ephemeral Final Fantasy that people tend to be able to pick out from the main mm-hmm. series that is oftentimes remarked upon as missing from the uh, spin-offs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of those spin-offs even basically spun off into their own separate series. Sure. Mana started off Seiken, as a... As a yeah, Mana started, yeah, Mana started off as a... It was Final Fantasy Gaiden. 
Yeah. Say condensed um, that's and, Final Fantasy Gaiden. And Bravely Default started its life as a as a sequel to um Four to uh, what was it called? Yeah, Four Heroes of Light. What the, like that yeah, seems it, to have been where it started off, even if yeah, it went it, far afield of that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was meant as a sequel, and it just decided let's just completely spin it off into its own entity, even though the you know the hallmarks of Final Fantasy are still pretty apparent there. Yeah. What if we gave it the most insane English title imaginable? <laughs> Where but the fairy flies. No, but can we top it? Bravely second end layer. There's got to, There's something with that title. I mean, I can even, I can almost guess the title, but I don't want to look into it anymore because I don't want to spoil myself. I'm I'm still utterly lost in the fact. Like I remember expecting Bravely Default to come here, and saying and thinking to myself, "There's no way it'll launch with that oh, title. Oh, yeah, there's I, I no way." For- I thought for sure that they're going to change that name to Final Fantasy Subtitle. They got to. I thought they, like, I was talking with a friend who works in localization <laughs> while that was being announced, and we both just both <laughs> were like, how is it launching in English with that title? You changed the part that shouldn't have been changed. Flying Fairy was fine. Well, not really. It, I mean, grammatically, it doesn't... I mean, the, the twist in the title doesn't make as yeah, much sense. I get, well, I get that the twist doesn't make sense, but the point is that, like, when you're looking at but from outside those concerns, the problem is that Bravely Default is not an English construction. Okay, that's yeah, that's, okay, that's true. I tell that to my non-gaming friends, and they like, or you know, coworkers. They're just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, it's like you, like I, I've worked a lot around uh, people learning English as a second language, and you start to notice like these kinds of English constructions that only exist from people. That but don't natively speak it, where sometimes they'll you'll, they'll say something and it's not wrong, mm-hmm. but no one who spoke English natively would ever say it. Yeah, it's just it's just maybe slightly like it's uncanny. Yeah. Again, yeah, like like some of my members of my family don't speak English all that well, so yeah, I'm kind of I'm pretty used to that too. <laughs> yeah, it's like you start noticing like these things that it's like now that I look at it, there's nothing grammatically wrong with it. But this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I would still give someone a funny look for having said it. <laughs> By itself, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like I, I'm sure it would change just for marketing reasons. But yeah. Well, and, uh, and admittingly, that bizarre name is probably makes it ju- semi-memorable as well. Didn't you know? out. It's like what? What the hell is this? <laughs> oh, this is actually kind of cool. I still think they should have brought back the Final Fantasy Legend name. I think that that would have been cool. <laughs> they could have just confused the hell out of people. <laughs> make it part of the, make it unintentionally part of the saga series. Yeah, there you go. That just reminds me of finding out that apparently I can't remember what it was that I think it was it was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. It was released in Europe as Mystic Quest, and then Final Fantasy Legend was released in Europe as Mystic Quest Legend. Oh, that's... yeah, I remember that. That's that must be. Oh, yeah. that's deeply confusing. <laughs> Uh, uh, ooh, reveal yeah. of reveal of new Hearthstone cards. Uh, yeah, there you go. Like there, there you go. If you want to try to try something very different, a uh, common tactic that works most of the time is to just spin it off into a you know into a sub series. Spin offs are really nice because mm-hmm. if no one likes it, you never have to acknowledge it again. Yeah, you yeah. can just <laughs> leave it alone and pretend it doesn't exist. Right, Demi kids. Yeah. Like, does anyone remember Demi kids? <laughs> no. The devil children. <laughs> yeah, devil. Uh, but the because uh, the the one that came out of GBA in America was Demi kids, yeah, but yeah, Demi-kids. GBA was yeah. devil devil children. You know, I, I saw yeah. the first 
I saw the, like the second episode of the anime version of that. What the heck? I don't even. <laughs> I've seen that as well. It's very strange. Yeah. My my personal favorite insane Megami Tensei title was that we got to Last Bible Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this also owes it. Is another Bible? I think is. I think yeah, it's the, another Bible, which is the Game Gear one that yeah, Sega yeah. made. There's also Last Bible Special, which, which I think is a strategy <laughs> RPG or something. I don't even. Yeah. Oh wait, and the, the Dead they, Children they... Messiah Riser. Messiah <laughs> <laughs> Riser. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, and you know, of course, Last Bible got altered into Revelation: The Demon Slayer. Yeah, that was way Which, too uh, for the game. It, it's it's a pretty darn simple game. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, all those 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 title changes are just this symptom of people trying to figure out how do we sell these things here without pissing people off. I mean, that's isn't that that's kind of part of the reason why a lot of games that didn't have Shin Megami Tensei in a title had it you know slapped in the front just because they didn't think we'd be able to tell. <laughs> Well, to be fair, like someone looking at it on the shelf doesn't know what the hell it is. But like, well, if they yeah, I guess. Well, I guess if you if you just said it, Devil Survivor instead of you know Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor. Yeah, it's it's something that quickly like once you know the history of the series, it doesn't matter anymore. But True. when you don't know anything about like all of the various like eighteen different Splinter series that uh, Devil Survivor, not Devil Survivor, Shin Megami Tensei has uh, has spawned, like it's really helpful to. Like, oh, I know this. I've seen right. this before. I guess well, this is a different enough. one. But... <laughs> true enough. True enough. Yes, I shouldn't. And then, have... of course, and then you, of course, you get the the ones that like no one's heard of on either side of the Pacific, like Rondé. <laughs> like, yeah, that's best forgotten. I think ugly. The ugliest Saturn video <laughs> game. <ever. laughs> and that's saying something because Saturn. Oh yeah, my God, the Saturn. Rondé is. Like, it's worth seeing just to see everything that can be wrong with 3D graphics. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you know, there's it's just marketing is hard, and you always have to remember that you're marketing not just to people that, that already know what you're talking about, but people but that have no player. idea what you're, that, but for people that have no idea that what you're even selling is a video game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I still think uh, Mega Ten has done such an amazing job yeah, with this. It has I, because because oh, yeah. you can find you can find fans of like any of the random sub series. Hmm? Like it's not like it's not like the sub games in this case appeal to like just a subset of say Final Fantasy fans. Uh, you know the sub series can appeal they have to their completely different. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't know that. Others could necessarily easily replicate that, but that's just a great way to uh, keep your franchise going and, yeah. and keep your series going. And uh, yeah, but keeping a series going is going. Ugh, keeping a series going is hard because you mm-hmm. could, you know, make like the coolest game ever, and then people can completely, you know, go bonkers and completely trash it. Um, of course, speaking of Dragon Quarter. Oh yeah, that's a, that was coming to mind. Uh, Something a little too different, perhaps. I haven't played it. Yeah. It sounds like it's a really good game, but it also sounds like it's too different for people who like the original, the first games. It's still got on the... some level your help. That like I think they were trying to avoid that by not calling it five. True. Didn't they call the it pro- five in Japan? Is I don't uh, know. well, that's why I'm saying at least in America they did yeah. not call it five. Okay, but 
like, like I think that the the problem is that, of course, there was nothing else to contrast it with. It was the only breath of fire you were going to find. Right. So I still think it had like the heart of the original games that people just kind of ignored. Because it was too different in other areas. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. It's it's such a it's an incredibly innovative game to say the least. <laughs> But, yeah, just didn't find an audience. Nope. Large portions of its team unsurprisingly uh, weirdly reincarnated into the Dead Rising team. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's still pretty weird. Uh, it's not when you realize how Dead Rising works. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I was also going to say it's interesting that you look at something like The Legend of Zelda where it went completely different for its second entry and seemed to not affect the franchise in the slightest. Well, well, a few of the ideas from that one did get, see, you know, they did get into the games, yeah. And a lot of NES games, like, had, like, the weird second game that yeah, was so that's different. True. <laughs> you know, Castlevania Fire, 2. <laughs> yeah, Fire, like, the Fire Emblem, the Gaiden was, uh, like, you know, you had a world map, you had towns you could walk around in, you were fighting monsters instead of human play. Like it was very different from the first game, which was more like yeah. Played against the sea. And I mean, I, I don't know. If Super Mario Brothers Two is probably not fair because again, that was an American thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, although it got kind of adopted into the series. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. A lot of a lot of enemies and other stuff in there did see. So get guess, back into the main series. I guess that's I guess. just kind of an NES thing. Plus, it's all, like it was included in their All Stars collection as mm-hmm. well. Well, and also, to be fair, also those were... Um, oh, and I guess Final Fantasy, the second game was, you know... <laughs> a freak of nature. An incredibly <laughs> innovative, beautiful game. That, uh, exactly. the, it, it was beautiful in the way that, like, a trilobite is. <laughs> <laughs> and I say this as someone who adores Kawazu. It's just like, it was a weird evolutionary dead end that we can still see bits of in games today, but... It was not meant to be on its own. Yeah. Like it, it, it itself didn't have any lineage, but you could still see. <laughs> yeah. Descendants of its ancestors. Yeah. Because that was redundant. But yeah, I think because the NES just like is a bunch of those series beginnings, they tried to experiment at first and then decided let's just go back to something more traditional and next in the third one. Yeah. And later installments. That's what the third one was usually the most popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyone have any other thoughts on this one? I kind of now want to see more about Fire Emblem Gaiden because no one ever talks about it, and it sounds weird. Yeah, yeah that's true. I haven't played it, but yeah, it's uh, it technically takes place in the same continuity that Marth's games do, but uh, otherwise, I hear Not it's very hard. Like, it, <laughs> it is a per- It in the first game are apparently very hard to play, and you'll they'll, it'll probably never see a remake just because it's sort of the the black the, the black sheep of the Fire Emblem family. I may have to yeah, see if that's on the. 3DS Virtual Console. I, I think it is. I'm not sure. I believe it. I'll have to look for it. Although, I found it incredibly difficult to search for anything in the Japanese eShop. Hmm, oh, it's almost thing. like you don't speak it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, some other random things. I think you have to use health to cast magic in Fire Emblem Gaiden. That oh, that's must weird. Be. That must have been annoying. That sounds like an absolutely surreal game. I need to read about it as much as possible and never play it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe as a curiosity. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm never going to play it, but I'd like <laughs> to find out more about it. Oh. 
All right. So, oh, last you, you know, last two questions. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention one thing here about how uh, about the Mega Man series because I think it's an interesting contrast to uh, Dragon Quest. As we talked about not overdoing brand stewardship, not overdoing <laughs> a series, and Mega Man managed to not only overdo its core series. But also overdo it. Every single yes. subseries. Every <laughs> single one. Um, like, Capcom found the like logical sell by date for these was about six games in the course of six years. <laughs> yeah, so that by the time we got to the, the two final DS uh, really cool action platformers, that, you know, the franchise had already been run into the ground by that point. So. If you want to continue following that thread, you can think of ZX and ZX Advent as 0, 5, and 6. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, so yeah, that is, that is how to not run your franchise. And, you know, I'm saying that liking a huge ton of those games, but that is, that is not a good when way are you to get When are you going to give me a review of, Metal, of Mega Man Battle Network 4.5? <laughs> There was a four and a half? Are you serious? Only in Japan. Only in Japan. Uh, I, somehow I believe that. Even, it's true. Even though I've never heard uh, of it. Weren't there Rockman, already six uh, of those? Yes. Why did they need a four and a half? <laughs> uh, Mega Man... Uh, okay, Rockman.exe, 4.5, real operation. Didn't some of those have two different versions, too? Yes, uh, at least one of them had three. And then Star um, Force had... Ah! Ah! Uh, four and a half, I should point out, was not actually... Despite being labeled four and a half, it was only four and a half in the sense that it was between four and five. It was actually a virtual pet game. Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even... I don't even... In real operation, the Game Boy Advance itself acts as a PET, allowing the player to control various net navvies from previous games in the series. <laughs> I don't understand anything. Also compatible with the Nintendo e-reader to create the <laughs> ultimate fusion of objects that could never possibly sell in the U.S. How, no. how is Capcom so good and so bad at managing franchises at the same time? I don't understand. Because they are understand. constantly creating interesting new ones to replace the ones that they burn out. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Oh... They are simultaneously the most stagnant and most innovative among the current like crop. Uh, they are going to grind Monster Hunter into the ground, aren't they? Guess what? They're You're still going to buy all of them. They're already doing that, it yeah. looks like. They need... uh, well, to be fair, they're splitting them off into... They aren't giving us Monster Hunter 5 yet. They're being careful about that. They're giving us spin-offs. Monster mm -hmm. Hunter X. It's not really Monster Hunter 5. It's like a weird greatest hits plus more action. Monster Hunter JRPG, whatever the heck. <laughs> you know, like... Well, I guess that's a fairly sound strategy, I suppose. Spin-offs. Yeah. Spin-off. Except they'll probably do an expansion version of Monster Hunter Cross before <laughs> Monster Hunter 5, and then Monster Hunter 5, well, it's G, and... It's worth noting that, like, you know, between Monster Hunter 3 and 4, if you're not counting the expansion, you're looking at, like, five years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's on par with Pokemon and Dragon Quest. Yeah, so yeah. that... Uh, hopefully they stick in that kind of area. That would be good. No, like, nothing can ever top Mega Man, which I believe is well past 100 entries at this point. Oh, 
So, I mean, do you want Mega Man Soccer 2? Do you want Mega Man uh, Rock... uh, No, wait, it's Light and Wily Rockboard, that's Paradise? Was there ever Mega Man Baseball? I would have played Mega Man Baseball. No, there's soccer, but there's no baseball. It's a shame. There is, however, a bad FMV game, if you want that. Uh, no. For Adventure Man. No. The one one Mega Man game that Keiji Inafune was openly ashamed of, not because it was a shitty FMV game, but because it was secretly, uh, because it had uh, humans dying in it. (laughs) Well, let's put Mega Man to rest and move on to the next question. What do you say? Sounds good. Poor, poor Mega Man. Hey, Red Ash just got picked up by a Chinese company you've never heard of. Oh, boy. question which I guess will not involve Meg- any more Mega Man despite the many Meg- Mega Mans uh, who do you think will make the first mon- monster catcher RPG with DLC that adds new monsters, areas challenges and other sort of content to prolong their lifespan and milk their audience any series that could su- survive off this sort of thing right now without angering the fans any games you would like to see this sort of DLC. Is there anything? There's got to be something close to this. They already on... did this. It was called Shin Megami Tensei Four. Uh, no, I was gonna say there's got to be something like this on mobile. There just has oh, to I'm be. Oh, sure that there's like yeah, a, probably a bunch that, of them. But the thing is that, that uh, I feel like no one that's successful is going to do this because part of the reason they're successful is that they don't deluge mm. uh, the audience with constant new content. So like yeah. you know. Like, you know, it becomes a question of, like, what's more profitable? Make a DLC for the existing game that, like, you know, a fraction of the audience will care about, or just make a new game? Yeah. Probably making a new game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think we're on the third Yokai watch in about four years, so. Are you. Is it. Is it... Is it yeah. really only been that long since the oh, yeah. franchise launched? Yeah, it's 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 almost it's pr- practically yearly by now, at least so like, far. Like this is what Level Five does. Like they make a franchise and then they just pump it out constantly until it dies. <sighs> like you ride the horse until it like <laughs> dies from exhaustion, and then you find a horse. <laughs> and then you find it. So they're yeah they're doing like yearly uh, releases of that soccer RPG. What the heck is it called? They uh, yeah Inazuma Eleven Inazuma yeah, Eleven they, yeah they were I think they finally stopped and because yeah, the Yokai uh, Watch probably yeah. <laughs> the first the first game July eleventh twenty thirteen Yokai Watch yeah what that's like two years <laughs> that num that number has to be wrong Wikipedia I'm doubting you right now <laughs> no I, I I that actually sounds about right I think the like the first two ones had a really really small amount of time between them oh my god. Yeah, it's almost precisely a year. Oh. Like, this is just what level 5 does. 
frightening. Truly frightening. Um, like they, they're they're on Layton Seven, which is now secretly the classic uh, in-person game Mafia. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, to go back to the original question, I think something like that's only gonna fly in the freemium mobile world. I don't know that something like that's really gonna. I I could see like in the future Pokemon with DLC and more monsters and things like that, but not maybe to the pace that this question is suggesting. Yeah, they wouldn't introduce a, a whole new like a whole new region or, or more gem yeah. feeders or anything yeah. like that. Maybe, yeah, maybe that'd be... They practically do that when they give away the uh, event legendary Pokemon. Basically... They basically do that anyway when they give away event legendaries. They give them yeah. out over Wi-Fi. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, like, that's the extent of DLC that Nintendo yeah. wants. I mean, I guess they, they have yet to make a completely new Pokemon and add it to the code. Yet. Usually they're just creatures that haven't been released. But yeah, I mean, yeah, eventually, probably. Yeah, I, I think we're far away from t the point where people are going to accept like buying a bunch of new Pokemon as DLC, though. I don't... Yeah, yeah, that would that would anger fans pretty very very yeah, much. Yeah, I, I think that kind of. I'd be annoyed. I'd be kind of annoyed. But, like, I... I have to pay if I want to complete Pokedex. <laughs> yeah, really, I think that kind of oh, messes gosh. with the whole point of the game, like exploring and catching, mm -hmm. catching new monsters that way. Um, I I, th I really think this would have to be something specifically aimed at the the mobile freemium uh, crowd where yeah. you're getting something for free and then you can download, you can purchase additional things, something like that. Um, but as far as DLC and like a full release RPG, I don't think that's anything like this is really going to fly. So uh, the level would have to be on the lower end, I would say. Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, I'm sorry. I just got lost in the Yokai Watch Wikipedia page. Oh just, god! Just, which just told me that one spinoff just came out this year, and next year there's going to be a spinoff combining it with Romance of the Three Kingdoms of all things. What? Nope. I guess nope. this is just That's like on. the the this Pokemon is the answer Conquest? to Pokemon. Yeah, this is the answer to Pokemon <laughs> Conquest. Yokai Yokai Yo Conquest. Yokai Conquest. <laughs> Yokai Three Kingdoms is what it's Yo currently called. Oh, that's. That's weird, and also reminds me that I'd really like a Pokemon Conquest too. That'd be nice, yes. <laughs> that that would be actually very nice. Yeah, the first one was really cool. I'm actually su still surprised that hasn't happened yet, since that game did pretty darn well. Yeah, that game got, like, scarce as soon yeah. as it came out. Yeah, well, I, I would imagine it was printed with the assumption that no one, that, like, there was no way of knowing how much people in America would uh, buy it, and then people in America bought it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh well, I'm hoping with it, you know, all a good time. We'll see. Yeah, I think that yeah. game actually sells for like a premium now too. When Pokemon game, Pokemon spinoffs that sell well tend to eventually get sequels. Yeah. So. Nintendo games that sell well tend to <laughs> not go down in price. Uh, that's also true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have bought a second copy of uh, Xenoblade and retired on it. <laughs> and uh, that reminds me that I just bought Kirby's Return to Dreamland for just shy of 50 bucks. And of course, of course, a week after doing that, they would announce that it's coming to the <laughs> virtual console. Of course. Yeah, like, I, I tried to, like, warn him off, like, it's like, oh man, please tell me you didn't buy Return to Dreamland already, because like, it's, they just announced it's coming to frickin' Wii U Virtual Console ah, in America. Whoops. <laughs> well, uh, it's a good thing that Epic Yarn was cheap. Oh man, Epic Yarn's so good. Yeah.
Uh, also, there's four yokai watch uh, smartphone apps. <laughs> wow, that okay. They, it was like okay, we've got a hit. Let's um, let's do everything with this franchise. I guess they. We talked about this with uh, Gaijin Monogatari back in like the second episode, where he was like, "Yeah, they had like a game called like Cardboard Wars or something that was uh, real popular for about four years. They drove it into the ground." It's just what they do. Uh, yeah. Oh, dear. It's like Sanrio, if you've ever looked at the business practices of the creators of Hello Kitty, it's like there will be one or two things that, like, survive, and that's, you know, like Hello Kitty. But then, you like, every year their business is pump out new mascots to just slap on every kind of product imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> that's their entire business model. It's what they do. <laughs> Oh, should have a whole episode about Japanese business practices. That would, that no, we fun. shouldn't. We can't <laughs> intelligently on them. <laughs> we can just marvel at them and just wonder at like the bizarre efficiency at creating merchandise items that are designed to have a strange, nebulous sell-by date of about three years from now. <laughs> Let's talk about how Idea Factory operates. No. How, how does this function? <laughs> no, we're done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to talk about the sad remains of Compile that somehow turned into Compile Heart. Uh, what was the original question again? <laughs> Something about DLC? It was, it was about whether DLC, like you could make a DLC oh, yes. monster catching game, and the answer is unless None you're of like... None the main series, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unless you're a second stringer trying to make it on a cell phone, no you can't. Yeah. <laughs> At least not in current and, as far as we can tell, it, it current trends. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. no, yeah, not really. Um, and I think it'd be even hard to do that on mobile. It, yeah, well, like it's just it's more acceptable on mobile by virtue of the fact that that kind of consumer practice is ingrained there. Yeah, it's true. Unfortunately. Tragically. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's that's about done. All right, let's let us move on. You've got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what you're... Alright, let's move on to our last... Well, it's not really a question. Um, so It's a rant trigger. Yes. <laughs> so, recently on the RP Gamer forums, while discussing some recent Dragon Quest announcements. Um, <laughs> pause, aka Anna Marie. Uh, oh God, I cannot pronounce. Here. Thank you. I was. I did not want to. <laughs> I did not want to butcher the last name of our great and benevolent site owner. Uh, you don't want to get banned from the forums? No. <laughs> uh, yes, but anyway, pause. Uh, mentioned that Dragon Quest fans are the new Tales fans, and I was like, uh, um, if you've ever heard me rant about Tales fandom before, we do that a lot. It's like, no, that's <laughs> no, just no. And I'm going to talk about this on Q&A Quest. So I'm here to talk about this on Q&A Quest. And 
to make sure I don't intentionally insult anyone, I need to add some prefaces here before going into ranting. Okay? Uh, this is primarily going to focus on the worst, the worst people in these franchises' fandom, which is a small, very vocal minority. Um, As is true of most yeah, fandoms. Yeah, they, every every fandom, like the loud ones, are usually the also the smallest amount. Yes, uh, the vast majority of Dragon Quest and Tales fans are very cool because I talk to them all the time and Twitter and on the forums and whatnot. You know, uh, but yeah, okay. So Tales as a fandom has thankfully recently left its times of hardship. Yes. <laughs> but here's the thing. The Tales Tales series in the West has not been in a hardship for a very long time. But the worst fans Unless you were a fan of the handheld games. Well, yes. <laughs> but, well, yes. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'm gonna get into that. But the the worst among the fandom seem to think that the Tales fan, the Tales series was in constant danger of never coming out in the West again, which when you really analyzed it was not the case because um, the notwithstanding some PS2 releases uh, since Symphonia, we've gotten a pretty steady supply of the main series. Um, pretty much every Mothership game that wasn't on a handheld. Yes. And, you know, the, the handheld games, I think... Uh, other than they ran into like size issues. Yeah. Well, the first was Tales of the Tempest, which actually got booted out of being a mothership title. They, they create. Well, no, it's it's not even that. It's more ignominious than that. The term mothership title didn't exist until, until that game Tales came. of the Tempest, yeah. so that they could declare it not important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that game bombed in Japan and is not very good, and. Some people, like some, some, some people, some people actually fan translated it, and I highly, highly recommend people go read the notes about them translating it, not actually play the game, playing it, <laughs> reading their notes because they are hilarious. Okay, um, I, I need to keep that in mind. Yes, uh, the other two uh, entries on hand, main series entries on handhelds, uh, Hearts and Innocence. Uh, on the DS, were later, were later in the console's life, probably getting into the area where piracy was an issue. Yeah, the size of those carts were an huge issue. Huge carts, like yeah. there's a lot in those, and I would imagine translating them into English would make them. You could sell them for enough that people would actually to make a profit on the cart you had manufactured. Especially considering those had voice acting, which is fairly extensive for a DS cost. game too. Yeah. So. Uh, that made probably made them prohibitively expensive to bring over, so you could understand why those didn't make their way over. Um, let's see what else came out around that same time. So we got a bunch of PSP re-releases yes. that we didn't get a single mm -hmm. one of, which is understandable because <laughs> we didn't yeah. sell games here. Um, yeah. Like the PSP sold here, but the games sold like trash from yeah. basically word one. The only weird. Weird thing among those was uh, uh, Tales of Eternia, which actually came out on PSP in Europe, but didn't come yeah, out here. Quite nice. Yeah, uh, the other weird one from the PS2 era that we missed was uh, Destiny Remake. Yeah, uh, Tales of Rebirth, I think, was a mainline series that went back to 2D, as I recall. Yes. Yeah, but it, it's also I think it predates Symphonia, or if it is, no, it, 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 it did. No, it came out. No, it came out after, before Legendia, as I recall. 
Ah. Uh, but yeah. I, I guess because, uh, you know, I guess 2D. So. Yeah, that's just... so trying to analyze just how much demand there was after Symphonia. Yeah. That too. But, yeah, the 2D was an issue. If Can I go back in time and trade Legendia for Rebirth? Because I don't know whether Rebirth is any good, but it can't be any worse than Legendia. <laughs> no, Sony won't approve it, sorry. Like, so, it, there are... Uh, and I... You're probably not going to be able to find anything official in this regard, but there was definitely something about, like, older 2D-looking RPGs being localized. Because I believe Vic Ireland has talked about that in the past and having issues that's, that's with That's basically in that the hill that his entire life has died on. <laughs> yes. Um, so you can understand why those didn't come over. Um, so then once we move, move beyond that area, the DS titles, the PSP titles, the one Vita title we we missed. There, was there a Vita one? Yeah, the, the Innocence remake. Oh, yeah! Innocence R! I forgot that happened. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Um, so, for the most part, we've been getting, at a steady pace, the console releases, and they've done well here. And uh, we've also been getting, like, confirmation they're coming a long time before they happen. Yeah, like, Grace's F, we got, um, an announcement. We got confirmation of that, like, a year yeah, before it happened. It, mm -hmm. Like, right after and it came out in Japan. And that's kind of become the thing. Like, Exilia, right after it comes out in Japan. A year before it comes out here. Oh, you're also getting it in America. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about Grace's F was the original version was buggy as all heck, and they actually had to like recall it. So yeah, like the from what I've everything I've heard, basically the Wii version kind of runs fine until you get to New Game Plus where it collapses in on itself. Yeah, but you can absolutely understand why that why that version of it didn't come over here. And yeah. Especially as, as Wii third-party software market floundered in the later part of the yeah. generation. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the other missed titles are just side entries that aren't really going to fly here, especially considering... Uh, I yeah, like promise all you, Like all the Tales promise, of the World stuff, yeah. that tends to get away. I promise you, you never want to play another Radiant Mythology game yeah. in your life. The, the one Radiant <laughs> Mythology... I heard the later ones were half-decent, but that, again, I heard it. I have, I've never actually played them before, yeah. so... I, I've played a bit. They're, they're mostly better, but they're still uh, not spectacular. I guess. Speaking of someone who routinely imports these sorts of games, don't trust people who import these sorts of games. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because at some point, and like this is just a cognitive bias, I spent, I went to so much more effort to buy this than normal. It's probably great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, but me and Wheels both still have copies of Tales of Verses that smell like grape aid. <laughs> So, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons why those side entries didn't come here, especially because the one we got bombed and was not very good. And in general, they're not they're not that great. They're not that great. Let's be honest. The series is doing good here, but it's probably not big enough that it can handle those side entries. Sounds about it's right. Yeah. Well enough that they're willing to port it to other systems just because Westerners would want it. Yeah. So, because I mean, Zestiria is now slated for PS4 and PC, and that's not selling in Japan. Yeah. So, the roundabout point I'm trying to get to here is that there seem to be among the worst Tales fans again, not Gosh, using everyone October, here. October's gonna be so expensive. Yes. <laughs> among the worst Tales fans, there seem to be this, some perception that oh, the t like the Tales series is is like 
is dead here, you know, or in that danger of being dead. On yes, support. exactly. I think we've already got some degree of confirmation that Berseria is coming here. <sighs> yes, uh, but the thing is that if you looked at it and not even like not even went into the analysis like I did. If you just took like a casual glance at it, you could absolutely understand what was going on. There was a bunch of Tales games, and most of them and aren't that great. They're intelligently most, selective about which yes, ones they bother. And most of them only make sense to release in Japan. Like, it, it, there, there was really nothing all that much to worry about. And I think what really set people off was that we didn't get the port of Tales of Vesperia to PS3. Um, that really does seem to be the origin of yeah. the enmity. Yeah, that yes. almost single-handedly is the reason why we had the special Tales rule for years on the forums. Yes. And <sighs> the reasons for that are Jesus. probably unclear. It's I, I've heard rumors that Microsoft actually assisted with the localization. So They probably spent enough money yeah. on it that it... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I heard that too. That basically they're the one that put a sort of, uh, you know, like lock on it so that it couldn't be released for a number of years and like a year or so. And after by that, the was time it half, by the, the time that lock would go away, mm-hmm. it was too late. It would no longer make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, the but thing... like, the, the broader thing is that, like, Vesperia is a fine game. It's, you didn't miss that much. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't play Vesperia, it's like you missed a pretty good Tales game. Yeah. If, that's about it. Yeah, I can understand, oh, I don't want to get into 360 just for that, but we have a full quality localized version of Vesperia, and it, the PS3 version really is... It's, it's A, not worth uh, pining over for this long, because people still do. Uh, a casual Google search can probably attest to that. There's still a fan translation effort going on Yes. That one. That's A. And B... Um, crap, I forgot what my B was. <laughs> Do you even need B, a B when, the first, when A yes. is crazy? B, this, <laughs> this was not like weird secret effort, evidence that the Tales series was in danger in the West. It just wasn't. That, that game did fine. And the, ne- the only reason we didn't get Graces like immediately afterwards was, be- again, the issues I mentioned with the Wii version. And mm-hmm. you, you can see since the Tales series has pretty much moved uh, to PlayStation systems exclusively, uh, we've had no problems because, you know, they're all on systems where they can sell them here and they do fine. So um, yeah. <laughs> the series was never, ever in danger and just people, like lost lost it for no reason um now we can finally get to the other side of this coin <laughs> well well not quite yet i just wanted to say okay. that and they didn't even pine over tales of hearts no one pined almost no one pines over tales of hearts i still until, light a candle in until the vita version <laughs> and i'm glad that there's a good, there's a good, a well localized version that people can play, even yes. if it's not as good as the other. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to say any more about that. Okay, so let's look at the other side of the coin here, which is Dragon Quest. Um, and yes, there are definitely a lot more angry Dragon Quest fans right here, and I don't at want, the moment. <laughs> yes, and I don't want to necessarily say that hey, they have more reason to be angry because as I'm about to go over the 
there's actually a bit of similarity here. The only the only difference being that the Dragon Quest fans missed a giant big main entry in their series, which obviously would cause a lot more panic. Uh, so let's talk about that for a minute. So, are we talking about ten, or are we talking about the remakes? I'm talking about ten specifically because okay. that's a main numbered well, entry. That's a missed. really easy one to explain away. It is. Uh, yeah. It is, but when you subscription MMO. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, but when you're talking about a fan base that's yeah also looking at a bunch of cool 3DS games not being localized. Uh, yeah, they kind of that fact goes right over everyone's head because you're just looking like, oh, I'm missing out on all this Dragon Quest. But let's talk about the 3DS titles for a second, okay? Um, so we got the first one, which was another slime Mori Mori game. Uh, really cool. We No, we didn't get that one. No, I'm not... I'm, I'm, we're talking about that one. I'm not saying we got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So We are talking about the first one, not we got the first one. Right. Um, the one they brought to the West did not sell well. Yeah, I saw Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime in the. Uh, yeah, I bought that. Yeah. Years. Yeah, I bought that used too. So unfortunate. Yeah, that never showed up. Sorry. Yeah. Like, like it. Well, like it just. I saw it in bargain bins for years. It just didn't sell. It's a shame, but. Um, like that was proof that that series just doesn't have any cachet in the West. Yep, and. Even if it's a cheap localization, why why would they bother with the it's new one? It's probably not a cheap localization. Yeah, that's also true. Trying to come with all these dang slime puns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like right. budget, like sixty thousand dollars just for slime puns. <laughs> all right. So after that, we get the remake of Dragon Quest Monsters, which is a game that came out here, but I don't think it's a game that, that very many in the West have any nostalgia for. Uh, and it also has a heavily expanded script. <laughs> and it's also not very so they, good. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I've played this, and it is a significant step down from Dragon Quest Joker. Oh, yeah, now there's Joker 3. I forgot that happened. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get to Joker 3. <laughs> um, so while we did get Joker 1 and 2, uh, they, they gave the Joker games two good chances. Um, I could routinely... I want to say those sold better. Like I, I would see those, and they wouldn't be cluttering up bargain bins, but they would, like you know, they would be on the shelf for a reasonable amount of time. If if you go to Amazon.com right now, you can buy a new sealed copy of Joker Two for twelve bucks. Wow, I guess I guess Joker One did okay. (laughs) uh, Well, I actually sold my copper copy of Joker One and wanted to get another copy and was able to buy it from. Square Enix's online store for like 20 bucks. Wow. I think mm-hmm. maybe one or two years ago, which is probably a sign of a lot of <laughs> extra stock. Probably. So, I'd like to think that they did decently, but mm, not so sure. Um, so. I can't imagine what pushed them into localizing Joker 2. Uh, well, that one was published by Nintendo, so I'm, I'm just going to yeah, guess Nintendo. Yeah, I guess something mm-hmm. involved there. Okay. So then we there's Monsters 2 which is in the same boat. Um so then we it's get to a not great remake. Yes. <laughs> so then we get to the saddest of the bunch. Dragon Quest 7 <laughs> remake. Dragon Quest 7 <sighs> remake is a beautiful and wonderful 
Dragon Quest VII Remake is the actual tragedy here. Yes, it's a beautiful and wonderful recreation of a game that desperately needed a beautiful and wonderful recreation. In yeah, it's a beautiful and wonderful recreation of something that no one had ever described as beautiful before, yes. ever, even facetiously. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. This is obviously a massive localization. It's still a huge game. It's a huge game, and that old script cannot be reused. (laughs) And um, the previous remakes, while they definitely did better than the games we've talked about before that came out in the West, uh, they definitely were, I would say, good niche numbers, which is not necessarily something that's going to make Square Enix jump on bringing this over. Uh, which you could see in the fact that Nintendo published Bravely Default, and Nintendo had to publish the Dragon Quest VI remake over here. And nine, I, I would not be surprised if Nintendo's choice, if it essentially became Nintendo, here's your choice. Like you've got resources for Dragon Quest VII or Bravely Default. Take your pick. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the relation to the Final Fantasy series makes Bravely Default. The more appealing choice for sure it, 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 it sold over a million copies worldwide so it was it, certainly not a bad choice they, it did what they wanted necessarily. It. Yeah. Um, now despite all this I would argue and I will continue ar- to argue that I think Dragon Quest 7 could have been a very popular title over here because it's good looking it's a big, oh, it's a big portable game. RPG and uh you know, looking at the sales of Dragon Quest Nine, I think it's a game you can market and do very well with, despite the fact that you know you look at the battle system and it it's not as flashy I as Dragon like Quest Nine. It's just a brand that needs some nurturing. Yeah. <laughs> so for whatever reason, they didn't want to take the chance, and I can't necessarily. I don't know that I can say I can completely blame them. You know, we've. Dragon Quest Nine and Dragon Quest Eight both sold very well, but outside of that, Dragon Quest fans haven't seemed to rally to any other title that's come out here, and it's it's a crying shame. Um, you know, we got what's generally considered to be the gem of the series in Dragon Quest Five, and oh man, <laughs> and that's probably a good reason as to why we didn't get any more. Yeah, <laughs> because that game sold like garbage. I know there's a lot of trouble in selling like a, a more retro-looking game, but yeah, it's it's probably really hard to be in Japan, looking at what is often considered to be the crown jewel of the franchise, and watching it sell horrendously. Yes, like it's probably really hard to conf- to look at that and say there's still a market for this series in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, despite. Nine and eight doing quite well, um, and to me, what that indicates to me is that they should focus on the main series uh, because obviously the side entries aren't working. We'll get eleven. Yeah, and I still honestly think we'll get eight because it has a complete localization minus the additions in the 3DS. It version, has a, but more still. importantly, it has a localization that is up to spec. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's the most important it's, part. Because like the the issue with seven is that the old localization doesn't match the current localizations. Yeah, 
but even if Nintendo necessarily has to publish that one, I still think it's an appealing title to publish for that reason. And plus, they've already dragged the voice actors back for Dragon Quest Heroes. Yes. So, I, I, I sincerely think that we'll get Dragon Quest VIII on the 3DS. Because that has less of... You know, we went through the list. That has less of it's the... It's a much less expensive problems. test bed. Yeah. So, and I guess that brings us to Dragon Quest Heroes, which is the first one that's being officially localized in a while. Not counting the uh, mobile phone releases, of course. Um, and, you know, we get a bunch of Musou titles. We get Musou everything. We get One Piece. We get... It's surreal that we get every Musou game. I think there's one Musou game we've missed out on in the past 10 years. We get Samurai Warriors. We get the Empire releases of Dynasty Warriors. We get the updated... Warriors Orochi. The The weird... They sell. The Warriors games that are based on anime that don't really have any success in America come here. Like, Like, Fist of the North Star is cult classic, but it's got no real cachet outside of, like, super anime nerds. But we got both of those. Yeah. So I can absolutely understand Dragon Quest Heroes coming over here. It's it's sad, and it's sad that they said that this that's like some kind of test for the rest of the series, which I'm gonna uh, do it. yeah, uh, I'm gonna buy it, uh, even though I imported it and wasn't all that impressed. Um, but I need to prove to them that I'll buy anything yeah. with the word Dragon. <laughs> but I could absolutely understand why that's uh, coming out over here, but. Let me try and bring this full circle here, okay? So we've got two different fan bases um, that have angry elements to them. And the Dragon Quest fan base, I guess you could say, is more understandable anger. Um, While the Tales fan base is a lot of, that's not going to come over here, or why are you pining for a slightly updated version of a title that we did get localized, you know? Um, Tales... The, the, de- the degree of difference between Dragon Quest VII 3D and Dragon Quest Seven is much broader a gulf than yeah. uh, Tales of Esperia <coughs> on S3 and 360. Yeah. So, the Tales... Here's the thing. The Tales series is it's healthy in the West. Whatever titles we have missed, the series is healthy here. Um, and the worst fans among them have acted like it's not. And, yeah, that's that's the problem there. And as far as the Dragon Quest series go, the series has always been troubled here, um, and the worst among them act like that's not the case, I would say. <laughs> and they're very angry that we haven't gotten all these titles that make no sense for anyone to publish here. <laughs> or, I should say, make no sense for as big of a publisher as Square Enix to release here, because I'm sure a lot of these games would do fine numbers for, say, Exceed or Atlas. But... I, I feel like the, the the issue becomes less of a, there's no way it would be profitable, and more of a, it's a bad use of resources. There's only so many people they can devote to translating these things, and they've yeah. got a lot of them translating things that aren't even out in America, in Japan yet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> who's doing that FF15 localization? They've probably got an army on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess the point I would want to make here is that the worst among the Tales fans are a lot worse because their series is doing just fine. 
Like, what, what, honestly, what are you complaining about? Unless you're, like, a weird, devoted fan of Tales of Hearts for the DS, like you're, you're Dave maybe. and I are. Um, or you're just, uh, you're just really into Patty from Vesperian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than that, there's, there's absolutely no reason to be complaining. The series is doing great here. It's coming to Steam. You're getting Tales games on freaking Steam. And, and even back then, you weren't, you were not missing anything in that weird period between Vesperia and Grace's F. It, it's just, guys, calm down. Tails is fine. Tails is fine. Relax. It's all good. Dragon Quest fans, um, you guys got to get more people to buy these games for the love of God. Um, be- I'll buy them for you. I yeah. would go into debt to do so. <laughs> Because uh, I'm with you in being sad these games are coming out, but it makes perfect sense that they're not. And you gotta see it. But It's sad, but it's true. Yeah, it, it, I understand. You're less bad because there's... You're missing... Justifi- they're justifiable. Yes, they're there's more justifiable, justifiable, yes. Especially in the case of Seven, because that's for for fans of the series, that's a remake that we desperately need. <laughs> desperately, because the original just had so many problems, and yeah. So it fixed. Yeah, there's a lot it of... It fi- fixed them! <laughs> the moral of this long, weird rant and history lesson is that, um, yeah, Dragon Quest fans have a lot to be angry about, but you gotta get over, get over monsters. They weren't good. Let it go. <laughs> this, that sub-series is never going to do well here, and I would not expect us to get Joker 3. I'm just, uh, now I'm just thinking about, about, like... Monsters was always something people were ambivalent about when we were getting them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. It, it's just that now that we aren't, it, it, it seems to be an issue. Um, but it shouldn't be. Rally, rally around Dragon Quest Seven. Rally around the main series because this series needs more fans here, and you're not gonna do it by constantly doing things like uh, replying to Square Enix's announcement of Final Fantasy Explorers with a bunch of anger about Dragon Quest. Um, buy buy Dragon Quest product. Encourage other people to be positive about this. It's it's the only way it's gonna happen. Possibly buy more of them and yeah. sneak them under other people's doors. Yes, look, look, look at Tales fans. How, how did the Tales series become healthy here? Money. Uh, people people money. bought the games. People bought every game that came out, save uh, uh, Radiant Mythology for good re- <laughs> for good reason. But yes. yeah, no, that's that's just called not a prolonging yeah. paint upon yourself. They they bought those games. I would say there was a lot of positive attitude towards. <laughs> Getting hearts, Vita, localized here except for me and Dave. <coughs> uh, yeah, and and that's about it. And and I know the obvious re- response would be, well, eight and eight and nine sold great, which is fine. Which is why I'm telling you we're gonna get eleven because ten not coming over, as I said, makes perfect sense because it just doesn't make fiscal or logical sense to do Dragon Quest X in the West. I'm sorry. Uh, but Dragon Quest XI is going to come over here. It is. Um, it, I believe in this. Yeah. 
it, it makes because who's going to buy it on PS4 in Japan? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about. Why? Why do you think that title is on PS4? Is the question I would ask. And it's not just to sell like a decent number of extra copies in Japan to people that want to play it on PS4. There, there yeah. is on in Japan. There is some hope that it will make Japanese people buy the PS4, but that's probably not the only reason. Yeah, especially with the 3DS version being there too. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's if they hope that, then they are hoping for a. Uh, but they're hoping for a unicorn. Yeah, but if you want these cool remakes to come over here, more people are going to have to buy the remakes. It's just as simple as that. Like. If you looked at the sales numbers, and I saw uh, a few years ago when Square Enix released some sales numbers of like uh, Dragon Quest Four and Five, Five sold worse than Four. That's that's another thing is that when companies are looking at what to bring over, they have to examine not just what did the last one sell, but is how is it trending from the last one. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, main main se- main new series titles in Dragon Quest unless they randomly do another MMO I would not get too worried about uh, but you have to understand the reason all these other titles aren't coming over it's just a it's just a fileable anger because they're cool games in the series you love that you want to come over and it's not some of the nonsense with the Tales series where a lot of the games people were whining about were pretty terrible. <laughs> um, but really, the only one, the only one of the uh, 3DS bunch you should be complaining about is Seven. Give me back Seven. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this all comes back to. We need Dragon oh. Quest Seven. And, and I'll, I'll, per- I'll happily buy it day one. Should it ever get localized? Yes. And I would say, where, uh, I hope Hori wasn't just yeah. whistling Dixie. And I would say, where where are the like bravely default style campaigns and to drive up fan interest and to show how much people want this title? I don't think they're there. To yeah, be mostly people have confined themselves to just being very irritated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my answer in all of this is, um, Tales fans had and still have, to some extent, the worst bad fans. Um, But Dragon Quest fans are in danger of doing the same if they don't turn all this anger and resentment into something positive. Uh, You know? Regardless, and I don't like bringing this up at all, but regardless of whether or not Operation Rainfall had any effect on any of those games coming over to the West, which I don't think it really did, it was still largely positive right and that's that's what we mm-hmm. need to do all right anyone else have any thoughts on this no no you pretty much summed them up yeah, yeah. you summed it up very well all right also we've been at this for like two hours now yes. <laughs> okay all right so let's wrap this show up um and you know after you finish listening to the show I encourage you to go out and buy any random Dragon Quest product you still find in stores. I actually saw Dragon Quest VI at a Walmart, and even though I owned it, I bought a copy for the heck of it. Please. Okay, just because I already own all the ones on DS. Oh, okay. Except for the Joker. I guess there's still Joker. Super fan. There you go. Joker 1 or Joker 2? Yeah, I don't have either. Well, 
Amazon, Amazon's got Joker too for super cheap. <laughs> That's almost Dude. worth it. Yeah. I try it. I never played the Joker games. Do it. The Joker two is. Uh, I like Joker two a lot better than one. It's got you like wander around this. You you're like on a ship that crashes land lands on this weird island, and so it's kind of got like a mystery element to it. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. All right, but let's wrap this show up. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so you can send us in questions at the usual places on the forums for the latest episode. You can email me at wheels at rpgamer.com. Uh, you can you can tweet us at uh, at mine is at askwheels and Dave is at fanboymaster. And yep. we're pretty active on Twitter, so. We cool. say things. Sometimes yes. I even say things that don't sound like they came out of a depressed wreck. <laughs> yes, so if you send us questions there, we will absolutely get them. Um, should I still at, should mention ask.fm just out of habit? Yeah, it's it's you already just yeah. did. <laughs> you can send us questions on ask.fm. My username there is also askwheels. I think you have to be logged in to send questions now. Yeah, which is why I haven't been sending you a bunch of troll questions yeah. through it. All right, so uh, with our guests, we let them talk about what they're doing on the site. Uh, anything you want to talk about, Cassandra? Uh, well, I'm uh, well. Tomorrow is gonna is the last day of the um, hashtag JRPG July. The, uh, you know, that sort of that thing on Twitter where everyone plays a JRPG and talks about it. I don't have a Twitter, so I've just been putting my updates on the weekly, uh, you know, up, you know, weekly feature. Oh God, I gotta, and, I gotta yeah, do my write-up. Oh God. Yeah, I'm nearly done. <laughs> I'm nearly done. I just have to edit it, add a couple of screenshots. I, fi- I finished up Devil Survivor Record Breaker, which is an Woo-hoo. absolutely fantastic follow-up. I, I, I am really surprised that I like it as much as I do. Still not as good as Overclocked, in my opinion, but I like it a lot better than I did before. And I like a bunch of characters than I did before. That really surprised me. <laughs> just like like Daiji, just just Daiji. He was sort of the, the butt monkey, and he's actually a really that was really cool. That was just like, he's a cool butt monkey now. He's and, got a good voice actor too. Oh, he's got a fantastic voice actor, Benjamin Disku, and he's just he's I he's excellent. <laughs> I've also um, continued a replay of the original of Earthbound Beginnings, the original Mother One. Nice. I need to play that too. I will quietly recuse myself from Earthbound Beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> it's it has not aged well, but I just find it incredibly charming that I don't mind all the that I don't mind so much all the grinding and the ridiculously small inventory. Ugh, that is so uh, <laughs> And the ridiculous encounter rates. Yeah, I think. You have... And I have to use a map too because some areas are still kind of really big, even though they're apparently uh, like they're smaller and somewhat easier in this version than in the original Japanese one. You probably have to go into that with like a full eight-bit RPG mindset. Yeah, that's what I'm basically doing, and yeah. it's actually got a it's got a real it's got a pretty good localization for the time. I mean, there's obvious grammar oddities and typos, but there's some they, some of the things that NPC says are actually pretty clever. Cool. Nintendo was pretty on its localization game even at the time. Oh yeah. And and, and that was like the, that was a prototype. Imagine if they actually had a chance to oh, refine man. it. Yeah. Well. Oh well. Yeah. But yeah, I look forward to that. Excellent. 
And yeah, I definitely actually by the time this goes up, it'll probably be on anyway. So oh, yeah. for sure. This this won't be edited. This will take a few days to edit. So yeah, that the, the final RP. RP yeah. RPG July. Thank you. I can. Yeah, JRPG July. That will be up. So I hope you all enjoyed July of JRPG. Your July of JRPGs. <laughs> I enjoyed which, my July. <laughs> which for me was just yeah, it was just another July. It's it's JRPG annually. Just yeah. Yeah. All JRPGs. All the perennial. Time. Yeah. Perennial JRPGs in my case. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm still gonna be. I haven't finished it, so I'll still be talking about the new Fire Emblem Pat, Will Pass July, uh, so I'm not gonna finish it. But yeah, good game, good game. So look for look for our write-ups on mm-hmm. Fire Emblem and Devil Survivor and all the cool other cool games everyone's mm-hmm. playing. Uh, Chris, I believe, is playing Xeno Saga, so it's always good to read about that game. Well, Xenoblade, but yeah. Oh, Xen- oh my god, what, what <laughs> that's is- a very different game. Oh my god. Oh, okay. We need to end the show. My brain is falling <laughs> apart. It's uh, late. So. <laughs> all, all right. right. That's it, folks. Um, I will. There should be some cool music in uh, in this show. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to put in yet, so I won't be able to say. Uh, but I am experimenting with putting in music between each of the little segments, so I will continue to. Well, if you've gotten to this point, you've already noticed that I've continued to do that. But I will continue to do that past this episode because I uh, got some good feedback about that. So, um. That about wraps it up. Adios.